Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. It's a brand new, if this is the first time you're listening to it, completely unnecessary podcast. Don't kiss at me. For Wednesday, February 11th, 2015, <laughs> alongside... Saucy Ian Ferguson. I am saucy tonight. I'm Pat Contry. <laughs> Coming up on the show, we got a lot of cool topics. Running the running running the gamut. See the M gamut screwed me yeah. up. Yeah, running the gamut, not rum running. Uh, from video games to movies. You don't know what I've been up to. <laughs> to TV and other stuff. We'll be talking about the new Smash Brothers uh, eight-player stage free DLC. Sega shutting down its, its historic San Francisco offices. The blindfolded Mike Tyson's punch-out run. Uh, the Curiosity and, and Goddess uh, controversy going on right now. Spider-Man making a deal between Sony. Well, he didn't make it, but the Spider-Man deal between Sony and Marvel Studios. I'd like to think it was him. <laughs> it was him. He yeah. came down and did it. He was like, Jesus Christ, guys. Fuck. Daredevil on Netflix coming soon. The Legend of Zelda Netflix series that could be in development. The the awesome Hitman Asian 47 trailer. Jon Stewart leaving The Daily Show announced. Uh, a, and a general WWE update and Seth Rollins' uh, nude pics. And your Q&A. So, Ian, how you doing? How's, how's the personal life going right now? Personal life is is pretty pretty good. I, uh... Yeah. <laughs> no, Vonnie and, I, uh, Vonnie and I booked a, a trip to Chicago. We're going to go hang out there, see some friends. Nice. Um, I'll actually be there during the Midwest Gaming Classic, uh, so we'll probably do that for... Uh, one of the days? Uh, one of the days with our friend Caitlin. And, um, yeah, I mean, just looking forward to checking out a new city. I've Chicago, Chicago's pretty cool. It's not one of those huge downtowns. It's like Boston size, I think. But see, like, I, I like vertical, packed cities. I don't like spread out stuff like Like San Tokyo? Diego. <laughs> I've never, I've never been to Tokyo, but I like. I mean, Toronto's not really like spread out either. But well, San Diego's small condensed. though. It's downtown small in San Diego. Yeah, but I, it's only like four square miles or something. But to do and like to do everything you want to do is going to throw you to all four corners oh. of San Diego County. Whereas, all the county, okay. you know, when when you go to a place yeah. like Toronto or another city. Anyways, other than that, I've been um, got into modular synthesis, which is uh, a lot of fun. I can waste <laughs> so much time doing that. Uh, it means I'm going to become a horrible person in my middle age uh, I, saw I think. There was a question I didn't put it on the docket, but it was about asking about the TV 303 and what you think about people, you know, the price hikes and stuff like that the TV 303 is the that famous wah 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 sound when you it's, it's, that's not the best I, but you know, <laughs> you, can't, you can't duplicate it and, and you can't really duplicate it, and that's why it's one of those really sought after since, even I know that from my limited experience in electronic music eh, Roland's TB3 kind of duplicated it or T, uh, yeah, TB T, T TB3, the most recent they one. They came close? Yeah, it came close. I have one. Um, anyways, uh, but what I've been doing that's been kind of interesting and ties into what we've we've been, uh, w- uh, what we often talk about is I've, I've been reading the rules uh, for a, uh, for Worldwide Wrestling, the tabletop RPG. There's a table, what? Yeah. Uh, it was kickstarted and funded and uh, I bought the PDF <laughs> and the book and because um, a friend of mine online told me about it. And I think some friends and I are going to try to play it over Skype. It's interesting. 
the game master or the dungeon master is is booking and creative, um, but there's a crowd you have to please, which is the players, basically. Yeah, the players. Okay. So you have to keep the players happy with the way the direction of the story is going. Okay. The players roll wrestlers, but they can do managers and stuff. Basically, different types of gimmicks act as classes. So certain types of heels or certain types of pretty boys have access to different... Um, ways to uh, you know uh, heighten their character's popularity. Sure. And there's separate game styles for in ring and combat. And so there's there's a kayfabe side to the game, and then there's the real life behind the scenes side to the game. That the manage to manage yeah. the egos and everything. Yeah. And it actually just like I mean I do the, this is something that if you if you don't listen to the podcast often or if you don't follow me on Twitter you might not know but I, I read rule sets for RPGs regularly. I think they're they're fun to read and learn. If I never play this, I never play it. But it's it's really kind of a cool idea. I know I know that even going back to the I want to say, fifteen years ago, there were people developing uh, PC versions of, so, of something like that where you manage your own federation. That's how we all ended up talking about buying into this. Okay. My friends and I, the one night, is because we all used to do that. Where you'd run the simulators and it would generate yeah. the text document. People used to have their own e-feds. Yep. They would do that and then cut promos and yeah. run the results. And then then SmackDown versus Raw. Uh, had a very rudimentary version of that, and I don't think they have it anymore. Unfortunately, where it was like a manage Raw or SmackDown mode, where you put together, you would like put down uh, in the time slot what matches, who goes against who, what promos, what run-ins happen, and then uh, you'd get like a rating, rating. and you try to do that. And through the pay-per-views, I never, uh, it wasn't. I mean, this was back when the last the last SmackDown versus Raw I bought was probably two thousand five or two thousand six, whatever it was, and I think they got rid of it. But it was a cool idea, at least to see if you could simulate, you know, get ratings and stuff, but, you know, it was rudimentary. Um, I've, I've been actually, uh, I've been working out pretty hard the past few weeks. I got a personal training uh, session, and it was a freebie, and a uh, cute girl comes up while I'm on the elliptical and says, hey, I can give you a free training session. I do it, and uh, next week, she, and it kicked the shit out of me, but it sort of uh, got me into mode that I wanted it to work hard, and, and so, whatever. It's been fun. It's just uh, a lot of work, a lot of punching bag. Good have, you, have you kept up with the same trainer? No, no. Um, or did you just take I just, that I routine? Just, and... I just um, she showed me a routine that I've, I've been doing the same routine every Tuesday, mm-hmm. but all the other days I've really kicked it up in terms of like, say, I used to do like a bicep or a, the pressing machine. I would like do the press machine and like wait a minute and a half. Now I'm like going from one thing to the other, doing like sort of like a CrossFit thing. Oh, gotcha. Which is like really what the best thing of your body to do, that whole muscle confusion and constantly doing different bo- body types. What's that? If you're not dangerous. If you're not dangerous, what do you do? You're going to run someone over? What do you mean? No, CrossFit is like, you have to be careful with CrossFit, actual oh. CrossFit. Well, this is like the principle though of it. You're doing like three different exercises and you're rotating them quickly. Right. You're not You're not really resting. I, I, I get what you're saying. So, you're using the, the, the basic idea of CrossFit. That's not, the basic idea, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been more tired, but I've, I've, been, I've noticed a difference. Um, and then I'm still working on uh, the DVD, which will be done by next week, God willing. And then I'll put out the uh, Indiegogo for the pre-sales. Yay! And then uh, there might be a special Ask Ian exclusive on there and then we still there might be no there is i mean we recorded it and we announced oh we recorded enough for 14 episodes at least (laughs) and then we still have a t-shirt available uh, until uh, about eight days from now so until like the 19th or so uh go to teespring.com slash cu podcast for the limited edition cu podcast t-shirt so smash brothers free dlc by free dlc from nintendo so this is kind of nice um the 
Smash Brothers on the Wii U has, uh, and I, I believe even in some, no, just Smash on the Wii U has eight player Smash. Um, it's kind of fun. It's but it's it's more frantic than anything. Sure. Um, and only a very limited number of stages were able to be used uh, when the game was released because I mean to accommodate eight players on a screen, you do need some room. Otherwise, there's just not going to be any. F- fun to be had. They do have to be larger arenas. Uh-huh. So uh, what Nintendo's doing, which is really nice, is in their second update, this is the second, I believe, firmware or like you know update to the game, um, they've uh, modified some of the stages to be um, eight-player friendly and added in a couple new eight-player, like brand new eight-player stages so people who are enjoying that mode um, can, you know, they, they have more than, I think it's like four that they can use currently. So this is awesome. I mean, it's with all the the shit that Nintendo's been getting uh, in the past few weeks, and a lot of it rightfully so, uh, it's nice to see them release, you know, a batch of free stages. You know, shit that Capcom would normally charge you, you know, $15 for, they're just giving you for free. So, I mean... I'll take any free DLC for a game. You want you want to give me more than I paid for? Fine, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, this is obviously goodwill, and I mean, I'm, I'm but even before the game came out, Nintendo said we're not going to charge for extra fighters. Right, Bravo. Yeah, you know we're not going to charge for you know uh, costume palette swaps or whatever else. It's like great, that's fantastic, especially since there's so many freaking fighters in the game. Any other you know Capcom game or whatever, you'd have to pay. For all these guys, so that's good. No, uh, it's, this is good for Nintendo. For Nintendo to do this, I know. I know. Um, with with other aspects of their customer service, you know, the YouTube stuff, people are getting on them. Um, but no, they're they're providing a good good deal, especially with like going back to the the Mario Kart DLC. Very reasonable for what they were charging for all the different uh, tracks. How fun is it? Is it really fun? Uh, I've yet to even really get into the new Smash. I have to buy it still. Um, eight players seem would seem would, would seem really fun for four on four. That would seem like it'd be really a blast. I think I've only done it free for all. I don't think I've ever done eight. I think I've done like six. Um, that would just seem seem fun to do. It's neat. It's just I don't know necessarily how well eight would work out. I think most people I've talked to have said you know it's it's amusing, but it is kind of a gimmick. Oh sure. Um, I, I would see it being a great mode for tournament, like not not tournaments, um, for conventions and stuff. Just like how ten player Bomberman is like. That's a fun thing to do. Like, when you're at a convention, you got a bunch sure. of people in the room. Which I've done. Yeah, yeah I've done it as well. It, it, it's cool, um, it, but it's it's certainly not a mode that I'm going out of my way to play. Like I said, it's still nice of Nintendo to give you more options for playing it, though. That means that there's got to be some people out there who are really digging it, too. Sure. Um, and who knows if there'll be any more updates after this for more maps, or if this is it. But well, Supposedly, I believe Mewtwo is promised as a character and i think that's basically it um he's he's gone so far as to say uh sakura uh, he doesn't know if he can even do another smash after i did this. i did see that because, because it's so much work that it's, it's ridiculous it's so much work and you always have to make it bigger and better and he kind of got himself into this trap where it's it's just too much. Too many modes, too many fighters. He doesn't know how much further he's going to go. He doesn't think he's going to do a whole lot of real updates or even balancing um, for Smash Brothers. Did they already release one update that balanced a little Right, bit? but he doesn't think... He, he, he's not. What he said was he's not going to get nitpicky about it because he figures the way the game is generally played balances out the characters enough. So, yeah, I don't know that we'll see a whole lot more updates for Smash, but, you know, like yeah. I said, take what you can get. Franchise will continue without without them, though. Obviously, though, they're going to keep doing it. 
you know, there's too much money to be made. Yeah, I just... Every, one, one per Nintendo system is reasonable. Right. You know, so we'll see another one in five years. It just might know. not have the guy who created the series so much involved. Sure. Um... Yeah, segues, man. I couldn't. I just couldn't come up with a segue from. You didn't have to. Speaking of Nintendo's the, arch rival, yeah, Sega. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Um, the, I'll edit that big pause out of the, <laughs> out of the, out of the upload in, 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 op, in, in, in opposite land. Um, it, Sega is uh, continuing to hurt, and basically, Sega is. Um, they have announced that they will be closing down their San Francisco. Um, offices, which were their main U.S. offices throughout their glory years. Uh, and that's really sad. Um, it also means that they're going to... Uh, there's going to be some layoffs. Uh, they're wording it as early retirement packages, but they're, we all... It's not, it's not layoffs. It's right-sizing. They don't say downsizing. It's right-sizing. I saw that right... I, corporate I, speak can fucking blow me. me. Yeah, it's, it's... It's terrible. It's awful. It's like a fucking cum shot in the eye. Um, <laughs> it's... Not that I know. Uh... But early retirement package, right-sizing, yeah, all of that can fuck right off. Um, early retirement packages are a way to make you leave a company and take the money as opposed to just being laid off or fired. Yeah, I mean, it's better than nothing uh, to, to do it. I've, I've seen, I've had a member of my family it happen to where it's like, all right, we'll pay you something to get you to go a little bit early. And it's like, it's better than having nothing. Yeah, I mean, I mean it really fair. is. But, I, I mean, um, so this is the end of an era, basically. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, and it's sad because here's what they're doing. So they're going to shut down San Francisco, um, move to the Southern whole Cal. city, the whole city, the whole city, and they're going to move to yeah, SoCal somewhere Woo! right here. Um, the thing that sucks is they're focusing on PC and mobile, and what that means to me is a bunch of cheap, shitty, free to play games based on beloved franchises that we don't want to see. I mean, they already started doing it with Fantasy Star Online, and I mean, does this mean we're going to start getting like free to play Shining Forces and shit like that on our phones? You know, with in-app purchases, I don't know, but seeing Sega in this state is really sad to me. Well, what brought them to this past few years? I know the Sonic titles haven't done well in a long time. Well, it's just been... They, they've published some decent stuff. Um, Alien Isolation. It even says here, the Alien Isolation moved be- you know, moved well for a Sega-published title, but you know their mistakes are, are much bigger. For every Sonic Generations, there's, there's four Sonic booms. I mean, they're just not making money anymore because they're not making good games. So we'll either see Sega just start to maybe license out the character to other publishers, perhaps let other publishers deal, you know put out a Sonic game instead of them, and it's it's cheaper and easier for them, obviously less risk. Or like you said, you'll see cheap to make mobile games with like Sonic, or maybe you'll see a crazy taxi game. Well, I think, <laughs> I, I, think, I think someone will probably, I'm sure someone will correct me on this. Uh, I can always count on that. Um, in the uh, the comment section, but I don't know if it's actually true, but there was already talk of letting Atlas, like, have their way with some of Sega's franchises, basically, because they're owned by Sammy, and I believe Atlas is currently under Sammy as well, so there was, I mean, there's already been, whether it happens or not, there's already been talk about letting other people handle Sega's popular games. Well, what are, like, the big five franchises that are viable besides Sonic that... I think ones that would be viable for a comeback besides Sonic would be your Shining Forces... Um, your Streets of Rages, um, you could you could bring that into a modern era. Beat 'em ups are kind of really uh, niche, though. Yeah, Shinobi. Um, I mean, you can do a lot of. I mean, we're, we're basically talking franchises that have been popular in twenty years. Yeah, you so. can, but you can do anything with a, a. You can do anything with a franchise. You know, it doesn't have to be a beat 'em up. It doesn't have to be. I mean, you can turn 
turn whatever you want. Well, well, how did the last Shinobis do? The the third person ultra violent ones. Did they do okay? I don't or? think it was ultra violent. I, I, or, it got great reviews, but that was that was early, that was like early to mid PS2, and then, then we it's never, been that long. It's been like ten years. Yeah, we've never seen anything Jesus. since. Okay, but it kind of gave birth to. Um, I think that game kind of gave birth to like how Ninja Gaiden ended up. So oh, that was the one that was violent. Out. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's just sad. Crazy to see. Taxi. Shen, Shenmue is not a, not a franchise. They haven't had a game in forever, and the, the third one may never come out. So I don't know. It's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame that you can squander. Like Sonic's one of the if you talk about video game like icons. He's in the top five probably. Well, and, and you squander him like that. Jet Set Radio was a phenomenally creative and fantastic you know first game. Mm-hmm. The second one I didn't like so much, but other people did. So to each their own. Like they could have done more with that. I don't know. There, there, there's definitely stuff that they came up with during their Dreamcast era that they could have done more with uh, the Space Channel series. Um, you know, it doesn't have to always be a rhythm game. I don't know. I just they've always got these good ideas that they never really seem to iterate beyond a certain number or far enough. Well, how do you well how do you advance something like a Crazy Taxi series beyond a sequel? I mean, what else can you? Well, do you don't have that? to. I mean, I'm not saying you know. everything should have that. As a matter of fact, I, I I'm one of those people who firmly believes the first Crazy Taxi was the best one. I thought, From what I remember, it's good. I, I thought or two, it's better. I thought two and three weren't nearly as good. As I part didn't know one. it was a three. It's just a shame that now when like you go out, like I went to the swap meet and a seller had one of the, you know, cheap, uh, you know, twenty or fifty games built into the cheap Genesis console and it's just like really Sega this is what you're you've, you've, you've been demoted to basically this is w- what you are now well, they've been doing that for a while they license games that's a hyperkin for the handheld yeah. so I mean I mean, it's, they've been they're hurting the, the, the signs of problems have been oh, around yeah. for a long long time well hopefully they, they move to San Diego we can check them out that'd be cool get a job <laughs> I would just cry the whole time <laughs> <laughs> we cry this is not the Sega I know um, so yeah this this was a brought to my attention via some websites and Twitter, you know, you've said that this has been around for a while. I guess there's a there's more than one, but there's a guy his name is uh, Jack Wedge on YouTube. I think what I was referring to is it might have been an ongoing struggle. Like, I think that's what I was thinking of. Now you've cut me off. So this guy named Jack Wedge Yeah, because you never cut me off, ever. <laughs> this guy named Jack Wedge um, did a Mike Tyson's punch-out run-through, uh, basically turned away from the TV and blindfolded, well, he has a Boston Bruins uh, hat on, and with sound, of course, because he still need that to know what's going on. And it, it's it's impressive. Don't get yeah. me wrong; it's very impressive. But again, this goes back to what Mike Tyson's Punch Out is, is is it's a game of patterns. It's a game of when you, when you face the same guys, they always do the same punching sequences at certain times. You just have to know when it's coming. Um, so it, it was cool though. Um, well, yeah, I'm not going to take that away well, from the guy. I don't, oh, yeah. I, don't, I, he, I, I don't think he got knocked down until Tyson, I think, uh, at the end. But it's interesting to see different strategies uh, that he employed with certain guys. Like you know, when you get to Tyson, to waste time, keep punching him in the stomach. Mm-hmm. That just saves maybe even saves a couple of uppercuts that you don't have to dodge. Otherwise, how do you know when they're coming unless you really know the timing in your head? I noticed he was doing that a lot, and that was very smart. It wasn't even just with Tyson. It was with the other boxers, too. He's uh, taking shots that he knows will be blocked. Yes. Because it's easier to regain your stamina, and he's waiting for the opening that he, he knows he can hit. And then plus, I think he realizes there's a timing that happens once you turn tired and can't punch anymore. He'll know that next two seconds, here comes the punch. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very smart strategy. When, when, I, when I play Tyson, um, I just dodge it, because I can do it. 
um, it takes a lot of practice, but you can do the reflexes. But wait, obviously, if you can't see it, you'd have to you'd have to know specifically each second there, your head when still, the punch is coming. There's still an insane amount. Of oh yeah, he precision in time. But he showed me some stuff. I didn't realize that almost every guy, even going up to Tyson, that you can punch. Uh, without having to dodge first and get shots in. I didn't even know that. Each ba- guy, you could still do that. He showed himself, like, oh, I had no idea you can get shots in on this guy. Like, Sammy, you can get shots in without, you know, without dodging a punch. I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw so, stuff that I'd never knew. You could, I mean, and, and that's why he's the guy who's yeah, beating I, it blindfolded, because I, I he guess, knows all yeah. this shit. <laughs> you have to experiment and go through these guys, you know, dozens of times to see what works and what doesn't. Um but, but yeah, this is just to go back to my Tyson punch out why this game is so great. I mean, remember this game came out in '87 in the U.S. Right, and we're talking about huge pixels. We're talking about great sounds, and you for the fact that you can do something like this for a game like this. I don't know if it's more curiosity versus being impressed, or the fact that you know, uh, 30 years after the game comes out, you're still finding feats like this that can happen in games but it's all it's all very fascinating to me and this is this isn't something that you could do it like in a modern game you won't be like oh i'll do a blindfolded run of call of duty you know 30 years from now people aren't going to care there's not going to be the sort of uh, finesse involved for something like this you know? I, I mostly agree um but it's it's because of the nature i think of the older games you know they're, they're simpler but they're turn on play you can practice at something like that um, there's less variables involved. Um, honestly, you probably could do, I mean, if you knew where all the good hiding spots were, you probably could do a run-through of a Call of Duty or something. I mean, I guess you have to fire a shot, but... No, like, the aiming would be tough to do. Yeah, it. <laughs> the aiming would be tough, but I'm just saying, like, those games are so on rails. You know, sure. like, like the I, I don't think the idea of doing, like, a blindfolded run of a modern game is necessarily but impossible. It wouldn't be as iconic as seeing this and go through, oh, here's King Hippo, here's yeah. Piss and Honda, here's Soda Popinski, here's Tyson. But that's Just the, the cast of characters that make it... I mean, that's why the game's so great, the, the cast of characters alone. Right, but that's... Now we're leading into a, a modern games versus classic games argument in general. Sure. versus shooting the, fi- uh, yeah. the 50th guy that's exactly the same uh, as the others. Yeah, so... That, but... Uh, so I'm not sure if he is, if he plans to do this with other games. Uh, then again, I'm not sure what other games he can do this with. Because with Mike Tyson's punch out again, it's knowing that okay, at this time in round two, Bobble's going to do his charge. Well, and there's and good then, sound effects. Yeah, the, the sound, sound effects are excellent. Right, the sound effects announce things um, that say doing a full like blindfolded run of Super Mario Brothers wouldn't necessarily give because the enemies are silent. Right, exactly. And here they're not. Here, here uh, when the charge comes, they backs up. Uh, when they throw the punches, you'll hear it. Or before they start to sometimes, uh, like uh, piss and Honda when he backs up and starts throwing the the, the jabs mm-hmm. back and forth, things like that. Yeah, audio audio cues are playing a big big part in his ability to do this. You know, I'm, in my head, I'm building stuff. This is a five star game. The more I think about it, my times to punch out, it, it, it's pretty close. Oh, it's fantastic! In my, in my would, head, yeah, I wouldn't argue that. Um, so yeah, it's just check out the video. I'll annotate it somewhere here. Check it out on Ian's, uh, Ian's face. I'll annotate it. Yeah, put it put it right on my face. <laughs> Who needs to see that? Put it right on my face. Just cover it up. Um, <laughs> so, who wants to talk about uh, a guy who uh, has a lot of ideas and kind of has an ego? Um, so, Me? What? No. Yeah, you. Um, so, hey, uh, remember Peter Molyneux? Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, the Curiosity Cube. So, if you don't know who Peter Molyneux is. Uh, he was a one-time genius. Um, he was kind of the guy behind uh, one-hit wonder. No, he was. I mean, he was behind a lot of like Bullfrog's greatest games on like. I mean, on the PC, we're talking stuff like uh, um, 
Dungeon Keeper and uh, Theme Park, possibly Syndicate. I could be wrong on that. But lots of really good early innovative innovative PC games. He's also been behind the Fable series. Um, we're talking and, big, we're talking big franchises, the ones that are at least uh, at least set themselves apart in some ways from right. the other 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 genre. I believe he did black and white on the PC. Oh, that was that was a very interesting just concept in of itself. Yeah, black and white. So here's the problem. Sometime after Bullfrog, Molly New decided that concepts were better than actual execution. It started with Fable. It definitely hit hard in Fable Two and Fable Three, from what I've heard from people who have played them. This is a guy who promises you the world and delivers you almost nothing these days. He uh, produced Syndicate, but he did he did not he, okay. design it. Populous, he designed. Populous was the other. Sorry, that was the other big one I was trying to remember. I, I actually like Populous considerably. So, the Curiosity Cube that Peter Molyneux came up with was an iPhone app. And it was a cube made out of little tiles. And all it was is you downloaded the app, and you tapped. And you tapped away. And every time you tapped, it broke a tile. And he promised that there would be a life-changing prize for whoever reached the center of the cube. And it went on for... I don't even remember. Three months, four months, people tapping what, away. Was that the only real draw of the game? Was doing yes, that? Yes. There was no strategy involved. No, uh, you could just... you could pay to eliminate more. Um, you could pay for like one time elimination of, of tiles, but you don't know if that's actually going to help you. So it was, a, it was a freemium game. It was a freemium, but it's not really a game. It was basically a test of patience. All you did, literally, there was no way to lose. All you did was tap tiles and break them in, in a race to be the first person to get to this giant communal cube to win your life changing fucking prize. Okay. That's the draw, the entire draw. That was the drive of the Curiosity Cube. You don't know if there's a hundred thousand tiles. You don't know there's a million. Uh, I think they no. I don't know if they actually did say, but yeah, they, I don't think they really even spoke of the size of the cube. This just sounds horrible from the get go. Yes. Well, especially when Peter Molyneux is promising you a life-changing prize on the inside. At this point, Molyneux had already lost, in, in my opinion, all credibility. So I knew that this was going to be some sort of horseshit. So, um, what's the so Scott Brian Henderson? is the guy who ends up opening the Curiosity Cube. And basically what he finds on the inside is a video. And it's about... On his phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, he had to send a link and then they send him something. Whatever. Okay. The information he gets is a video from Peter Molyneux stating that he will be... He's working on a new game called Goddess. Okay? Now, it's already out. You can play it in single player. It's like a God Sim type game where okay. only only you play the... Um, from what I understand, you basically pay, play the, uh, the 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 worshippers, the people on the planet, and you have to go through like rituals and stuff to keep the gods happy. So kind of like black and white, but you're playing as the people. You're playing as the, the people instead of the gods. Okay. It's reversed, and the god role can be filled by a human in multiplayer. Okay. Okay. And what was going to happen was, it may still, is that he was going to get a year of being the almighty god in goddess and, in this mobile game in this no it's a, it was a, P, a mobile and pc okay and it was going and uh he would also get i believe 1% a 1% cut of all the sales of goddess okay okay um so goddess launches and there's no multiplayer and with no multiplayer <laughs> there's no way for uh Scott Brian Henderson here to be a god 
Because well, that would mean he'd have to be in the game and play it though all the time, or you know what I mean, or well, a lot of times. what it look like? Well, him? the thing was is after they announced it, it was kind of silly. Anyways, what it was is he could basically pitch ideas to Twenty Two Cans and Peter Molyneux, and then they they would incorporate them. But they had the they, they had the right of veto, so like if he wanted to just blow something up, he couldn't do it. You know. Okay. So, anyways, so this the is multi Brian, the Brian mul- Henderson we're talking about. Okay. The. Multiplayer still isn't instilled. The guy Brian Henderson, and this is two years ago. This, this is two years ago. Okay. Twenty-two cans um, stopped contacting him. They flew him out. They didn't really talk to him about much of anything. They let him play Goddess for about three hours with a friend. Okay. They took him out for a drink or two. Gave him a signed T-shirt. Sent his ass home, and he ended up checking in once a month, every month. <laughs> For a couple of years, and he states multiple times, "I don't really play games. I don't really care. I don't really care." Like I, he's like, but but he's like, my problem is, is you know, they promise this thing, and they are being incredibly unprofessional about it because they stopped contacting him. Well, so, okay, so they stopped con- because they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. So no, so <laughs> it, it this all blows open like in the past couple of days. Um, they say they're still trying to work on getting the multiplayer in, player in. Peter Molyneux uh, won't guarantee that multiplayer is ever going to happen. People in the project are saying that it is unlikely multiplayer will ever happen. Peter Molyneux says that, oh, you know, I really should probably offer a proper apology to this guy, you know, okay. largely. And, and But here's the thing. Goddess has already been the, 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 the staff has already been downsized to almost nothing because they're already working on the next game. So this Curiosity Cube thing was so big, and then they got a winner, and, it, and it's a life-changing prize. And this guy has seen no sense from it, no dollars, no pounds, and has not had any interaction with the game. So basically, the prize was a complete and total bust. Okay. And it sounds like Brian Henderson doesn't really care at this point. The the biggest thing he's, would he's following up on it mainly because he's just so. Amazed at how unprofessional the whole thing was handled. What is what, okay? What did you expect from a game where the only draw, first of all, was this "quote unquote" prize, where you're just breaking tiles? Because like, that wasn't the game. The, the, the prize was no one was expecting anything from the Curiosity Cube. The sure. whole goal was to find out what was inside and win the prize. Yeah, and it was fucking and garbage. And there was no prize. Yeah, it was yeah, fucking garbage. Yeah. So I think the joke's on you for playing. Sorry. I think you're a fucking idiot for, for spending months, maybe years of your life, tapping tiles. I, I no, Expecting was, something. Well, no, he said that he, I, I believe his thing was, is he hadn't even been playing for long. I think he just kind of downloaded it, and he was like a last minute person like in the game, and just tapped and was like, oh. Oh, I, so I it's, commu- it's com- communal. It was communal. So... It's oh, yeah, everyone it's, working it, towards yeah, the goal. It's, it's yeah, not a race necessarily. Yeah, that's what I said earlier. It's like Cubids. You're playing the version of Cubids. <laughs> You're the last person to put in your bid or last person to participate. You win the the, the MacBook for fifty dollars. That's basically what this is. Right. So it's like gambling. It's gambling your time. Yeah, it's is what ga- this it's, game it's is. It's gambling your time. There can only be one winner, and there's, there's X it's, amount of number of people Q-bits playing. On your, it's the mobile version of Cubits. I, 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 I downloaded it and tapped exactly one square <laughs> just like, to see what happened, and then I deleted it off my phone. I was like, uh, nope, this, no, this is brilliant. Oh, what, what, a, what, a, what a way to just rope you in 
and then you get no. No, fries. but it, it's not brilliant. I mean, and this is why I don't. Well, it's like... brilliant for marketing. It's it's a shitty move. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's no legal contract to give Brian Henderson anything. I hate listening. No, there isn't. I just hate listening to these false fucking geniuses like Peter Molyneux and the guy. I don't even know his name. The guy who's in charge of Quantic Dream, who made Heavy Rain, talk about talking about how when Sony asked him what he needed from a new console, he said more emotion. Sony, I need more emotion. <laughs> That's not something you put in a fucking console. I can't stand listening to these assholes. Their heads are so, so far up their so own asses. So your problem is with the pretension of these uh, creators and thinking they're geniuses and not delivering. And, and then they can't deliver fuck all. Well, well, from the game concept itself, you tell me this game concept, this sounds ridiculous to begin with. I'm not talking about... It, it, it really has nothing to do with the Curiosity Cube. It has everything to do with the fact that Goddess never got to the point that where it was it supposed be. to get to. It never got to the point where there was multiplayer. But what does it tell you when this genius... I hate to say it, there's a stigma attached to mobile games, but this genius is now relegated to these... Gimmick uh, mobile games to work on. Well, no, because it was a PC you know. game. It was just it was on the mobile. I think it was to keep people tapping on the bus or whatever. But e- either way, we're talking about two different things. You're getting. I mean, I'm getting more upset about the fact that the guy. <laughs> can't... Brian Henderson. I, I mean, well, he's... no, Brian Henderson doesn't care. What's but he, he should get on. something. Is it, is they this, flew him out at least. Is this the article? Hold on, because his last line is great. I don't care, really, like, whatever. It's the last line of the article. Well, then how, then how does it become a story? <laughs> well, because. Like he said, he, I mean, it, it's basically him taking these sorts of guys to task for, you know, promising all this shit and delivering on fucking nothing. You know what reminds me of? Uh, this is going to be this is gonna be a deep cut. There was a Nintendo Power Contest. Uh, it was to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think it was a Total Recall issue. Oh. And even Nintendo owned up to it that it was the worst contest they ever did. Because the contest was like, yeah, you get a, a, it's like a signed copy of the Total Recall game. You got like one of the helmets that one of the troopers wore in it. Then you had, to, you had a, meet, uh, a meeting and a lunch with Arnold Schwarzenegger. This sounds awesome. And they've admitted that like the kid that won the contest had to wait almost like two years to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was literally for a high and a handshake on the set of a movie and that was it. Like, how devastated would you have been to been that kid where you meet the biggest movie star at the time in the world, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I was like, how you doing? Oh, I had a nice to meet you. And that was it. <laughs> that was it after two years. I have a Lunchable over there. You, <laughs> yeah, Lunchable? You, not even. You can have. It wasn't even. It was just like, hey, how you doing? I don't I give know. a shit. I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Bye. You know. Anyway, so is there is there a lesson to be learned here besides don't play shitty mobile games? I don't know. <sighs> That's not the lesson. <laughs> That's not the lesson. The lesson is stop believing in these fucking people who eat their own shit for dinner and drink their own pee. On a happier note, and this is something we brought up uh, a month ago and a few months ago with the Sony hacks. This this is this this makes this warms the cockles of my heart. Yeah, it is. Spider Man yes. is now part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Woo! Spider Pat, Spider Pat, he's happy now. He's Spider Pat. So, why is this important? Imagine DC has all these movies coming out. Imagine they have, you know, a Justice League movie, and you have uh, Green Lantern and a Batman movie separately. Imagine that Superman doesn't show up in any of these movies, and you're like, what the hell is going on? You'd wonder, why is the biggest superhero you have not available? And this is how Spider-Man was, if you didn't know, for for the past 13 years. Going back to 2002 with the original Spider-Man. So basically, in the late 90s, Marvel was in big trouble. They were going, they were bankrupt. They were bankrupt. Oh, yeah, they were in bad shape. They, they were about to go, go under. You would never see them again. So in order to raise some quick cash to keep alive, they uh, sold off the, the movie rights to uh, a big chunk 
of, of their of their characters, including Spider Man, X Men, Fantastic Four, Daredevil, uh, Punisher. Uh, they uh, they all went away because uh, at the time it's like, well, we'll see if these movies even ever get made because. In the late '90s, the effects weren't that great still to do this stuff. Right, and superhero movies absolutely did not have anything remotely close to the level of respect that they do now. No, I mean, a super movie came, hero movie came out, and it was already. I mean, it was pretty much a predetermined flop. Batman and Robin destroyed superhero, superhero genre. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> what was that in '97? I believe '97 yes. destroyed it. Trainwreck. People didn't realize Blade was even a superhero movie when it came out. No one realized Which it. was probably to Blade's benefit. Yeah, and when you look at it, like, oh, it doesn't really look like a superhero movie, it's just a cool guy fighting vampires. Yeah. And then X-Men comes out in 2000, now we're here again. Here we go. And then Spider-Man 2002, now we're officially back. So, Marvel, and I believe it was 2006, established Marvel Studios. Uh, and said, you know what? We have the rights to all the other characters. We see them making a Fantastic Four movie that did decently. The Spider-Man movies are doing awesome. We, we, we have the rights to all these other guys. Why don't we get into this? And because of that, Marvel shot to the moon because they realized we can just form our own studio, get investors, and we can make billions of dollars ourselves with our properties. And that's exactly what they did. Yes. And that's what they did starting with Iron Man and then having this huge plan to go from 2008 2012 to 2012 uh, to the biggest movie ever, you know, like Avengers, or one of the biggest movies ever, Avengers. And this is how Marvel, uh, Marvel got uh, bought out by Disney and tons of money there. And really a huge success story. Within 15 years, you have a company that was bankrupt to being bought out by Disney for, you know, billions right. of dollars. It's incredible. But all the while, Spider-Man wasn't there. Spider-Man was sold to uh, Columbia slash Sony in the late 90s. I think it was or around 2000 they sold it. And this is that. massive because it's a huge face that's missing. Whether you love Spider-Man, hate Spider-Man, or feel something in between for him, um, not having Spider-Man in any of these storylines... It feels it feels weird. Yeah, and the mo- I mean, and, and it made the movies feel decidedly separate. It's weird when you read comics. There's a living, breathing Marvel world. When you watch the Spider-Man movies and you watched the you know a, a movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you felt like they were taking place in completely different realities or on completely different planets. Yes, because they couldn't inter- intersect. Um, and this is huge for upcoming films, films like Civil War, where Spider-Man is a major character in the film. And, my goodness, did they finally just, did they get this right just in time? Holy shit. We, we, we spoke about this a couple months ago. We're like, they better get this quick because we know that this is filming in the spring, Civil War. Because like, I love they, Black Panther, but I'm sorry, a Civil War storyline with Black Panther is just yeah. not going to cut it for me. So, like, okay. I need Spider-Man there. So if you didn't know, know what was going on, uh, they announced the big, big Marvel Summit basically like a, almost like the E3 version of Marvel movies where they announced the Phase 3 movies, and the big one of the big ones was Black Panther was revealed. Right. Because Black Panther was supposed to be a big part of, of uh, Civil War, and he's still supposed to be in it to lead into his movie after that. Um, because Spider-Man wasn't available at the time. Um, if you don't know the storyline, it's Captain America. Spoilers! Captain America doesn't want heroes to be registered with the government. Uh, Iron Man does, pro-government, and Spider-Man is caught in the middle, not knowing who to, who to side on. So, he has to be in that story for it to even come close to the close to the comic book stories. And plus, with Spider-Man, his secret identity is his entire thing. Right. Like, there's just so much at stake, which is, again, why I hate the Civil War storyline for having Spider-Man spoilers reveal his true identity, which is totally against character and type. Um, so, this is huge because it's now... Story. This is so huge because this is now pushing back all the Marvel release dates for Phase 3 uh, after um, 
the Spider-Man movie comes out. So basically, if Spider-Man comes out in July 2017, that original is going to be a Black Panther spot. That gets pushed back to 2018. Everything gets pushed back. So now you have Inhumans 2019 after Avengers uh, Infinity War Part 1, for example. I heard it was uh, only Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther that were getting pushed back. Basically, everything else was basically saying the same. Everything... Let's look at the list right now. We'll run through it. Because here's... here's well, while you're looking... Because here's here's how this deal went down. Basically, Marvel Studios has the right to use Spider-Man um, in their films. Mm-hmm. Back again. However, Sony is still in charge of the normal Spider-Man films. Um, and Sony gets final creative say. And However, they're co-producing. So I think that was Sony's way of saving face, because Kevin Feige, who's producing all the other uh, Marvel uh, Studios films, is going to be working with Amy Pascal. Yes, who is I just, saw that. So I really think that Marvel's going to have a heavy, heavy influence here. I'm hoping. Because, but- because otherwise, him appearing in the Marvel... You know, other Marvel movies wouldn't make any sense. He's got to he's got to maintain some sort of evenness of character. So these are the movies pushed. All the movies post Spider Man are pushed except for the two Avengers movies. So now Spider Man takes where uh, Thor Ragnarok was going to be. So that's uh, Spider Man's going to come out uh, July twentieth, two thousand seventeen. Thor is now November third, two thousand seventeen. Okay. Avengers Infinity War Part 1 is May 4th, 2018. Then Black Panther gets pushed all the way to July 6th, 2018. Then Captain Marvel is November 2018. Infinity War Part 2 is 2019. Then Inhumans is after that Part 2 now. Before it was before Part 2. I thought it was always after. I thought it was, I thought it was supposed to be before. But it looks like everything got pushed okay. back. You're still going to have the three Marvel films a year where everything got pushed. So this is what's important about this is again is that it's going to be a co-production. They're going to share the profits. They didn't reveal what the profits was going to be. It's probably going to be fifty-fifty or sixty-forty. Uh, Sony, uh, Marvel, everyone wins because as we stated a couple months ago, this helps the Spider-Man franchise a ton because um, it's the extra exposure from those other Marvel movies. The storyline for these amazing Spider-Man movies, real quick, have been mediocre. Um, too much Oscorp, too much Peter's parents, who the hell cares? Peter's parents is connected to Oscorp and Dr. Connors and then Peter's father's responsible for Spider-Man's powers and really got a little bit too far away from the Spider-Man mythos and while I do, did love them bringing back um, the mechanical web shooters, which yeah. was a huge deal. No, I like I liked the design of like the the the, the amazing Spider-Man, yes. but the the the, the stories I, I could give two fucks about. Action top notch. Um, uh, Andrew Garfield did great as Spider-Man. The quips, everything spot on, but, but the actual Peter Parker stuff weak. The stuff with Oscorp weak. Having all the villains come from Oscorp. Very, very weak. I'm tired of this bullshit. Where it all has come from the past 15 years that everything's got to be connected. All the villains got to know the heroes, and yeah. it's it's a garbage crutch. Well, it, it's it, it's a fucking crutch to have one 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 bad guy generating corporation. <laughs> like, there are all the villains. There are other people who are pissed off in the world. Um, yeah, there are other evil people out there <laughs> yeah. that Spider-Man can fight. Yeah, you um, know the whole Sinister Six coming from Oscorp is ridiculous. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, one of the articles, and this is the sad thing, though, is one of the other articles says that Sony is still planning on going ahead with the Sinister Six movie. So sure yeah, they are. Yeah. I, I I think they're saving face. Well, we'll see. That they're also going to go uh, yeah, through I, with the Aunt May's solo film. Then, Probably no, not. No, that was that, but that was also only really talked about for like a week, if that. But that was still in the docket during the hacks that came out. One but, thing that I'm really excited about is um, we're looking at a young Spider-Man actor. Jesus Christ, he's not 
super young. He's not a teenager, but he's not an old guy. He's a college-age kid. Well, he starts out in high school. He starts out like 15 years old. 16 years old. The majority of the comics are him. I mean, but I'm just I'm just talking about how he starts. Oh, sure. But this... Whoever ends up being the actor... There's two two in line, but go for it. Whatever it is, this gives us room to actually breathe through, say, two or three Spider-Man movies without worrying about Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield being in their fucking late 30s or, in Garfield's case, now early 30s. Like, that's... That's always been something that bothers me about Spider-Man. Like yes. they totally uh, the, the the casting age-wise has been ridiculous. McGuire was cast, I, I believe, twenty-six years old. Looked a little bit older than that. So by the time the third one comes out, he's like thirty-two years old. Yeah, doesn't look close to high school or college anymore. Andrew Garfield was cast older than McGuire. I was like, really? Why do they go for twenty-seven? And he's playing a, like a junior in high school. He doesn't graduate high school till the beginning of the second movie. He and now he's thirty one, ready to do the third one potentially. He doesn't look high school. He doesn't look college. No, not close. These kids, uh, there's two in line already because they got to cast this. They got to cast really quick. Yeah, I'm so happy about this. Uh, Dylan O'Brien and Logan Lerman both are 23 years old, but they look high school. They look a young mm. 23. They haven't aged. They're not as aged as Tony McGuire and Andrew Garfield. So I'm happy about this. And he's gonna be because part of the thing with Spider Man is is that. He's comparatively younger to all these other guys around him. He's right. he's uh, even if you want to age him to be like post grad student, that's only like twenty five years old. You know, Captain America and Thor; they, these are guys at least ten years older for the most part, right? Uh, and look and stature, especially a lot more mature. And Spider Man's supposed to offset that, but all the while though, he's one of the most powerful heroes in his own right, and that's part of why Spider Man's so good. It's like he's learning to deal with the responsibility as literally a teenager. And that's kind of missed and glossed over in the Raimi films was really glossed over about just going through high school with these powers. And I think that's one of the reasons why they want to do this is that have him go through high school and deal with his classmates more like his relationship with Flash Thompson has been really unfortunately overlooked a lot in these movies where, oh yeah, he bullies them, but there was really a cool dynamic to that character where Flash Thompson hated and bullied Peter Parker, yet was in love with Spider-Man. And these movies all basically ignored that aspect because then Peter had to tr- treat this asshole bully like he couldn't beat the shit out of him any time he wanted to even though he could he had to treat him with a begrudging oh I have to let him throw me into a locker even though I could kill him right and, and while and then all the while doesn't get the girls doesn't get uh, you know you know Betty Brant and he doesn't doesn't get Mary Jane at first um, so I'm happy about this. People are like, oh, do you have to reboot it again? I don't think they're going to reboot it again for the solo movie in 2017. They're probably going to do a quick flashback, maybe, like they did in The, the, in the Incredible Hulk in 2008, how they did a quick reference to how it got... You don't his- think they're going to reboot it? I think I read that they said that they were. I think I don't think they're going to go... They're not going to go through a whole 45-minute origin again. No one wants that. We've already just seen it. No, but they don't, they don't need to. That's what I mean. I don't. Okay. Well, well. Because plus, my the, idea of reboot and your idea of reboot are different. I'm saying they're probably going to wipe the slate clean. Story. Oh no! Wise. Yeah, he's back in high school. They yeah. said that he's back okay. in high school. He's going to be already have the powers. That's, of that, course, because that he's gonna to be, me is a reboot. A reboot doesn't mean it starts with an origin okay. story. Okay, it's 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 a reboot, but they're not going to retread the origin. No, no, no. They're no. going to put him in high school. Obviously, he's going to be introduced first in Civil War. He's going to have a big chunk. I'm still praying they CG in him just for a second in Avengers. They can just CG. You, I, yeah. you're, rolling your, you're rolling your eyes, but this has been in development. This isn't something that came out last week. This has been in development for three, four months. No, I know. They can CG in. Imagine the crowd reaction just to see him taking out, out one of the uh, one of those robot Ultron drones. The crowd will fucking light up. And, no, they will. And that's it's New York City. It makes sense. I, I, they're going to do something. They have to at least reference it. 
leading into this because because it's not going to be an Ant Man. No, no, that takes place takes place in San Francisco. It's not going to be in that. No, this that, is, this is their chance. They, they they've said that it will be in an upcoming flick. I think everyone's expecting it to be um, Civil War. As, oh, yeah. as it will. But you're right. Maybe they will see GM in Avengers. I mean, who knows? Doesn't have to say anything. It comes in. Uh, takes out one drone, swings away. The fucking crowd erupts in the theater. Yeah, he's got he's got to have a quip, and then uh, and, oh yeah, they can uh, cast him in time. And they can it. cast him in voice and just yeah. put the voice in. And 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 of course with the script, uh, it's not uncommon for studios uh, when they're leading one way or other to have two different scripts uh, written. So there there is a Spider Man centric Civil War script ready, and the Black Panther one. They did that with Fast. And the, I mean, this is a comparison on top of my head. The second Fast and the Furious movie, there was one with Vin Diesel in it, and one without because they yeah. didn't know if he would come back. So it's not like they, they're scrambling. They've they've known this was coming, and they have a few. I think I think it starts filming in March or April. So they got a cast though quick, get the kid trained a little bit, and then here we go. And I'm I'm ecstatic about this because while Andrew Garfield to me got a little bit closer in the portrayal portrayal, it's like he nailed Spider Man. Peter Parker was not my Peter Parker, how how it, he looked, he wasn't nerdy enough. That's a definite thing you got to worry about too, with with characters who really do keep a secret identity. Is like I always thought, um, I thought Christian Bale made a great Bruce Wayne, but I thought he made a horrible Batman. I'm kind of there with you. Like yeah. he he was better as the playboy Christian Bale hanging out versus the Batman. He was a great Bruce Wayne, but not a very good Batman. So, anyways, continuing Marvel's uh, domination of basically all of your visual media. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so they've got. We we've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, I mean, they're quickly approaching. So Netflix um, has been doing some great stuff. Um, Overall, yeah, their yeah, series has been fantastic. Pr- producing House of Cards. their own series, uh, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black. Um, I started watching Marco Polo, which was uh, that pretty good. It, it it started off very interesting. I would I would definitely watch more of that. I just randomly watched the first episode one night. So we're getting their Marvel series now, and it's going to start with Daredevil. And I'm not I'm I'm not going to lie, Daredevil's never been a character that I have a whole lot of interest in. But the trailer looked good. Um, like the shooting looks good, and I have a lot of faith in the cast. Um. I'm a massive Vincent D'Onofrio fan, and I think he's going to be fantastic. I am, as Kingpin, as Kingpin. I mean, he's going to make a fantastic. He Kingpin. looks like him. He's a, yeah. D'Onofrio's like six five, six six. He's a yeah. big guy. And he's he's heavier than he was in his. Uh, um, why can't I remember the fucking detective's name? He's my favorite detective. Uh, oh no, CI. No, I can't think of it because you're thinking of it. But, God damn it. <laughs> And I'll fight people about that. Best goddamn detective uh, SV, uh, Law and Order ever had. Well, no, Maloney was good, too. It's, I know it's Eames. Eames um, is the other one. Eames. I like Eames. Uh, anyways, whatever. This is not the this is not the uh, Law and Order podcast. Uh, and Rosario Dawson will be in there. Oh, Rosario, Dawson, Rosario is, Dawson is oh, is beautiful, uh, wonderful, oh. a great actress, and she actually seems like a wonderful person in real life. Frank's too. spoken to her. I'll tell that story sometime. Uh, I have my my. I, I won't divulge too much of it because I, you know, it's it's not my my business. But my 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 wife has a very close friend. Um, who just sparked up a, a friendship with her on Twitter and, you know, ended up hanging out at her at movie premieres and stuff. Like, she just seems like a lovely person. So the movie, er, so this the series looks like it's going to be pretty interesting. Charlie Cox is starring in it. I'm not totally familiar with his work, but I've heard he does awesome work on the Empire series that just uh, ended, I believe, on Showtime. Mm. Um, so, but looking at the teaser, it's gritty, very yeah. gritty, very low tech, which is what Daredevil is. 
this has a very, and I think it's based upon the early 90s Man Without Fear uh, limited series, where it's basically like uh, like Batman Year One, it's Daredevil yeah. starting out. And they right, said it, it is, that you can even see it in back. the costume. Yeah, he's going to start out with not the Daredevil costume. They have confirmed that he'll eventually get to the traditional costume, but they're going to start out with more realistic, this guy's just starting out as a street vigilante, here we go. Because Daredevil, remember, remember folks, besides the radar he has, he has no other superpowers. Yeah. He's not super strong, he's, he, he's like an acrobat, he's athletic, that's it. He's, ba- he's basically Batman, but yeah. not psychotic. He's blind and without without money. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it is. He's a blind, poor Batman, but isn't a sociopath. Exactly. <laughs> so he actually uh, believes in the justice system. He won't just beat the fuck out of you. He'll actually bring you to the police. Yeah. So that starts uh, April third, I think it is, or maybe it's April tenth. April tenth. April tenth, and they're gonna like Netflix says they're gonna dump all the episodes on you, and I'm probably just gonna sit there. I, I, Frank's I, coming I, over. I no, I, I mean, I'm. They've turned me on this. I'm going to watch this. Well, I, I mean. It's 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 a Netflix uh, you know Netflix is involved with this in some aspect and Netflix so far has been hitting home runs with all their series. Well, the, so what, that's one of the good news about it. What I want to what I, why I really want to watch this is because I I liked what I saw in the trailer and how they shot it. It looked low tech and like you said, dark and gritty. Um, I want to see that kind of I, I want to see what they and that's how I would have envisioned something Daredevil being. So I wonder if they'll have a good vision for something that I care more about, like Iron Fist. So, like, I want to watch Daredevil mainly so I can gauge, like, how excited I should sure. be for Iron Fist. So coming up, you're going to have Jessica Jones series, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage, and they're going to do Defender series that sort of combines them. And who knows? The other cool thing about this, okay, this is ABC Studios producing this, and they, pr- they produce the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, which I have not watched, and Agent Carter, which I haven't watched, limited series, which has been very, I heard very, good. very good. And it's violent. There's, like, people getting shot in the head every episode. Like, uh-huh. this is, like, wow, this is network TV. Um, and plus, Haley Atwell's smoking hot, too. Um, so, what's cool about this is that, unlike DC, I think there's a possibility you'll see these guys at least cameo or show up in the movies. I think that Marvel's smart enough to connect it, because they are connecting at least the TV show Agent Carter. You well, know, she you- showed up in Captain America. She's in the TV show. And you also have actors in these series who aren't... Um, uh, they're not unfamiliar with the big screen. Vincent sure. D'Onofrio and Rosario Dawson have been in plenty of movies, so it's not. It, it's not. It's like not a it, movie feel to it, right? From you're, the start, you're not. You're not just grabbing a TV actor and throwing them on the big screen if you want them to cameo, which could have. Yeah. Weir- which could be weird. No, you're throwing movie actors on, in, in, into a movie. Yeah, you can, you can have this Daredevil. Hell, he could show up for a, a quick scene in, in the new Spider-Man movie or, or the Avengers: Infinity War. Like, why not? He's a superhero. He can get involved in some aspect. You know, like this is this is why this is cool. You know, and plus, I, I'm a big fan of uh, you like Iron Fist. I love Luke Cage, and and the chance to see him together eventually. Uh, is I, great. Well, Iron Fist and Luke oh, Cage you like together, together. Yeah. And, and and like the the they're, they're peanut butter and jelly. Their scenes, <laughs> their scenes in, co- in in comic books are some of my favorites. Um, I believe so, I believe they're, they're they were close to casting Luke Cage already. I believe I saw something, but someone can correct us about uh, that. Yeah, I would I would love to know who they're casting for Luke Cage. But um, this so this is again this is going to be. Uh, April 10th. I do not know how many episodes it's supposed to be, if it's 10 or 13. And these are hour episodes, so yeah, this is a whole day of watching. Yep. Like House of Cards, I believe, was 12 or 13 episodes. Fucking. Still, I still haven't seen the, the second series of, of, of House of Cards yet, and the third one's almost out. I'm goddamn looking forward to this now. Oh, yeah. Strangely. I just, I really am. You did. You flipped on it. Frank was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. Okay. Frank was the same way. Frank was like, yeah, okay, I'm in. And Frank loves Daredevil. Frank loves uh, Fantastic Four, Batman, Doom Patrol, uh, Ch- Ch- Challengers of the Unknown, and and uh, Daredevil. Like, that's I the just, ones I want a chance to like the character again, like to, to reintroduce myself. 
myself to him. Um, but like I said, I also just I, want to use this as kind of like an acid test to see like what we can expect from I the other stuff. Marvel hasn't dropped the ball yet mm. on production no. values. And plus, the cool thing about uh, about well, the cool thing like this. The, the thing that gets me is that this could have been a Batman series. Like, Bat- DC could have done this with Batman. Sure. Instead of their shitty Gotham show. I'm sure people say, oh, Gotham's good. No interest in not seeing in Gotham. Frank doesn't have an interest in Gotham. I don't have an interest in Gotham. This is basically, could have been, you know, this is low-level street crime with gangs thrown in. That's what Batman is. And this could have been it, but now we got the Daredevil version, and he's a good character. Netflix keeps picking up the... Uh properties to make these series with and one that they're talking about doing um, surprisingly surprisingly and I'm not really feeling this necessarily is Legend of Zelda um, they've come out and described it as uh, you know a Game of Thrones but for family but I don't think that means shit I think that's um, just that, that that's a way of saying swords and sorcery for family they could have said probably more or less like Lords Lord, of the, the Ring. Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings and that's the thing they're just using a more current reference because mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think it's at all going to be anything like a Game of Thrones or uh, necessarily I can see them having to expand the characters in the universe and having some intrigue in order to keep it interesting um, in order to have a story versus versus Link marching into dungeons every week. That's not what, the, what it's no, going to be. No, but here's my problem with it. I just don't think it should have been done in the first place. I'm not a big Zelda... F- I, well, it's not that I'm not a big Zelda fan. I like Zelda. I just don't like it as much as everyone else. Um, but I do look at it, and I wonder... You know, a big part of Zelda is... Link is called Link for a reason. He is your Link. He does not speak. The second they start giving him a voice and a personality in a TV show, they are taking great risks, and they are going to piss off a shitload of people. Sure. And, I mean, I, I, I fantasized for, like, five minutes about how interesting it would be to do a series with a silent protagonist, but... I don't think they're. I, I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I mean, and you, I, I just I th- unless it's a mini series, I don't think they're going to do it with a silent protagonist. And I'm sorry, I, I think you're going to. And I could be wrong. Bigger Zelda fans will tell me. I think you're going to lose a lot of people the moment he opens his mouth. I, I'm not sure about that. I think the curiosity alone will get people there. And I think one of the reasons I did this. Well, well, Netflix has to attract people because now you're dealing with Amazon Prime as well. And these series are now drawing people to subscribe. Oh, yeah. Netflix is now, uh, you know, it's a production company, not just a streaming service. It's amazing. Netflix is an amazing story that you can get into, just the, the rise of the company over the past only 12, 13 years, mm-hmm. how it's, like, meteoric now. And now when you say Netflix, it's, like, as big as, like, NBC or whatever. Um, but supposedly they're trying to set up shop and start in Japan, Netflix. And this would be a huge draw, obviously, in Japan to get people that... You know, it's not like it's not like here where there's a huge built-in Netflix audience. Now Netflix, now you have our generation, the generation especially coming after the the Gen Ys and Millennials, they don't have cable TV anymore. They have Netflix. So right. in Japan, they're not there yet. This is a way to sort of kickstart that movement to get to get their maybe young. People I did into not this. know that this was coinciding with a, 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 a interest in you know moving into Japan. So sure. I mean that 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 makes a lot more I, sense now. What's interesting though is that Nintendo is willing to try this at all to me. Um, obviously, there's going to be tons of money thrown at them. They're probably being they're probably being going to co-produce in some aspect. Obviously, they're going to get tons of cash from this. Now, in terms of people being pissed off that the character can't speak, I think you can go about it in a few ways. I think you can do it, or you do him like sort of like the man with no name, where he's a badass, and when he does speak, it's just for the necessary things he says. You know, Eastwood character where it's it's no exposition, it's just responses. And badass stuff, and res- there's a way to do it and yes. minimize. Obviously, sure. he's going to have to speak. Yeah, 
Um, I'm not saying he goes... Uh, or if you have him speak regularly, I'm not going to say they're going to go a cartoon route or have him be a sniveling, whiny brat. But there's a way to do this. I don't. I, I really don't think there is. Uh, what you described the first way, you know, uh, responses when necessary, uh, not a whole lot of character-driven responses, but yes, no, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, Badass responses to killing Octoroks or something. Double cheeseburger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that in a Zelda game. But at, okay. the, at the menu window. I'm sorry. Uh, rack of meat. Um, I I really, really don't think they can do this with full dialogue. And have it and have it go anywhere. I, I think you're going to... Any doing here's the thing when you play a video game it's always your interpretation of what it is that's the only medium where you interpret it and because it, it's interactive so you interpret what it is and so p- people are going to be cheesed off no matter what they're, they're they're still trying to they're still trying to do a Halo movie for years yeah but they're still trying to do a Bioshock movie and people are saying well you can't really translate the nuances and you can't translate uh, translate the tone and you can say the same thing to some aspects about a book you can you can get the message across though what what are you doing polishing the top and stroking off. Those characters at least have personalities. So Link doesn't have a personality you. No, he's supposed to be you. I mean, he's he, he he's a good guy. I mean, but he doesn't speak. No, he doesn't he does not have a formed personality other than what you are interpreting it. Now, yes, you can interpret Master Chief, or you can interpret a, a character from Bioshock in a different way, but there's enough context around there, if not actual dialogue, that you can extrapolate that to a TV show. I think uh, if this is for a family and children, they're not going to care that much. They're not going to. They're going to say, "Oh, Nintendo, Zelda. I've played Zelda games. Um, I'll check it out. If I don't like it, I don't like it. But it's not going to be because Link talks. You know, characters have to talk. Sorry, that's that's how movies work." Mm. That's how a series works. So there's no again. This is in development. It may never come to light. But I'm again. I'm kind of was kind of surprised at this that Nintendo is going to try to do this because this will work a lot better than a movie. People are like, oh, it's a Legend of Zelda movie. They, they had that CG uh, movie they were thinking about a few years back where they leaked the the test uh, reels like a minute and a half or two. Why would it later. work better than a movie? Because you have a chance to develop relationships and it, and uh, it, a video game is not a singular story. Uh, you know, for a franchise, it's not like you can tell. Like, a video game would not work as... Okay, if, you, if The Legend of Zelda became a movie, it would be nine hours long. You couldn't tell that in 90 minutes or, or, or two hours. You know what I mean? So you have to sort of spread out over a longer arc with many adventures in between. You know, here's the adventure where he tries to burn down the forest looking for the secret cave. You know, here's the part where he does go to, to the graveyard finally to get, to get the magic sword versus doing it all in two hours. Kind of impossible. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I guess. So, so we'll see what happens. We're both we're on different sides of the, of the spectrum here. I I have uh, some faith in this. If it happens, we'll see. Do you have faith in that Hitman Agent Forty Seven movie that's does coming this, out? Does this look brilliant? Oh, do I pine <laughs> for Timothy Oliphant? Um, the Hitman series. I saw a good chunk of the first movie. I was surprised they made a movie. At it's always surprising what video games become movies because yeah. the Hitman's a popular franchise, but it's like. That's what the big franchise is officially the past 10 years of video games. It's like Silent Hill didn't get more than one movie. He, he got two? Got two. I didn't even know that. Resident Evil, I don't even count those because they're so far away from the video games. It's like, do you even count those anymore? They're doing another one, by the way. They're doing like a fifth one. Yeah, but here's why Hitman works. It's so fucking generic. You can do anything and call it a Hitman movie. Put a guy in a suit. Give him a gun. Have him bald assassinate head. some people. Give him a bald head. Hitman movie. Like, 
you you almost can't go wrong. I mean, I don't think it's going to be good. It's going to be awful. Was the did you see the first one? No, I heard the first I'm one not, was okay, but. and I'm not going to go see it. But at least with the Hitman movies, I guess all I'm trying to say is you could trust. You could go if they decided to make a good one. You could just go into it thinking you're seeing a crime movie. And come just out an action movie, and, like never, and never ever know that it was a video game movie, and come yeah. out of it, which is probably why it works, which is probably why plus, they're making them. Plus, they're not like Zelda fans where they're going to like tear down the theater probably if they're pissed off. You're not going to have the fervent uh, Hitman fanboys are going to be pissed off. Right? As much. It's so generic, it works fine as a movie because uh, there's so little you have to. There's a little canon or story that well, you have to get right. Well, well, what I did see was that uh, from, from the limited comments I did see, it's like yeah, uh, the, the Hitman series is big on stealth. It is cool that you can you can complete missions different ways. You can kill everyone or just do stealth and get your target. Here, there's so much explosion in this trailer. I know that's that's for all action movie trailers. There's tons of explosions. Here, it was so over the top with with, with everything. So I'm like, if you were that hardcore Hitman uh, fan, you probably did look at this trailer and be like, that's not the video game. That's the character. It's not the video game. You know what I mean, that's your version of Link talking. Time to become you know? a hardcore <laughs> fan of something else. Where's the Google 13 movie, by the way? Where's the Google 13 movie? Two Hitman 47 games. By the way, I, I heard that Google 13 is actually ending its uh, uh, manga run Holy shit. in Japan. So we're talking almost 50 years, like 67 about. So that's huge. And uh, Taiko Saito actually said that he has a story that he's all, like, for, I guess, for decades, he already had a final story in mind. Uh-huh. I'm scared to know what they're going to do. They're going to kill him off or what? I, I think it's kind of weird to think about um, that they're just going to end the series. It's always uh, considered cheap writing to kill off your protagonist at the end. Is that cheap to kill him off? I think it's always cheap to, to kill someone off and bring him back. At the end of the story to kill someone off? John Wayne died in, uh, in what was it, the, the last movie he did was dying in real life, so it was kind of a... Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's that's an easy way to it's an easy way to write it off as opposed to trying to figure out a good after. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't think they'll do it. This is a whole different conversation versus this. But uh, Go Thirteen's. Uh, yeah, we're running. Ooh. He's like a. You don't want to even call him amoral, but he's almost like a, a samurai in how he picks his assignments. And I he he wouldn't sacrifice himself for a big cause. It's like, that's just not what he is. He's a, he's like a monster or anything else. He's like a force of nature. So whatever. I just want to see that fucking movie. Let's talk about something sad in between two weird things. <laughs> something. What's sad? John Stewart leaving the Daily Show. Uh. I don't know if it's sad or not, but it's very interesting that it was announced the way it was. Uh, I've, I've been, uh, I'm not no longer an avid Daily Show watcher. I mean, I watched it religiously for almost like 10 years in a row. So did I. I, haven't, uh, I, haven't I started it. since the Killborn days in 1997. It was that it was SPF 100 summer. The same summer of South Park came out is when is when uh, Daily Show came out with mm-hmm. Killborn. People forget that. I think it was 97. Yeah. Um, and the well, Kill- it's not sad. I- it's interesting that Stewart's deciding to leave after all this time, especially before a huge ele- uh, presidential election uh, a year away, since that's how Stewart got big was in 2004 uh, with that election. But going backwards, so the original Daily Show, if you can see clips, totally not what it is now. Uh, it was mostly, it was literally uh, originally like a, a spoof on news shows. They yeah. have goofy stories. Uh, politics, it didn't really lean political that much. Kilborn was more the, the fun guy. He was from Sports Center. He was one of the more popular on Sports Center. Did the show for a couple of years. Liz Winstead helped create it. And then Stewart came on in early 99 um, and then went in a different direction and gradually made it more political. Um, and then in 2004, by the time it about five years in, when I, he was on the cover of like Time Magazine and he has the, you know, the America book come out, uh, the Daily Show book, I think it was a year or two after that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this is a huge thing. 
Um, first and foremost, yes, a comedy show. However, it became a political show, and even though John Stewart will always refute that, it's what it was. When you have when you have politicians and senators on, heads of states from other countries on, and diplomats, it's a political show whether you like it or not. And it's just interesting how he he uh, morphed it into that, where that wasn't really done before, having a, a comedic show with a political satir- satiric edge, in the U.S. at least, to have that. And obviously, that's where a lot of millennials and Gen Ys like myself, that's where you turn on and get your news for better or for worse. We, we can get into that if we really want to. That's where you got your quote-unquote headline news. No, that's day, what I was going to say. Can we also refrain from saying millennials on this show until there's an actual fucking definition of what a millennial is? They have a definition. No, 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 no. They keep hotly contesting it. Hotly? Okay, so depending are you going No, no, it's, it's, you have to be born after this year. No, you Whoa. have to be born after this year. Reaching adulthood around the year 2000. Okay, um, go ahead. Anyways... Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I it is where a lot of people our age got their news from, especially in the 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 the, the, the mid 2000s. I don't know. Anyways, John Stewart leaving. It was always known that he couldn't do it forever. Um, oh, was it 16 years he's been doing it? Yeah, I mean 99, so 16 years. It's sad because it's the end of an era. It's not necessarily sad because I mean he's leaving too soon. Um, I think it's more of a passing of the torch sort of thing. Um, I mean, Colbert left. And, you know, Stewart's leaving. And, I mean, you're ushering in a new wave of comedians who are trying to fill the same roles that they are. I mean, these are... You're getting people in who who, who learned from Stewart and Colbert. Um, I'm interested in seeing, like, what kind... What, what these shows look like after they've settled themselves in. I, I think they have to be careful. Um, real careful. And this is why. While Stewart... Uh, we're going to try... We don't, we don't usually talk about politics. Stewart's a left-of-center guy. Uh, but he's very reasonable uh, most of the time. And he, he'd even have on great interviews with conservatives where it wasn't them just yelling at each other. You know, uh, Charles Krauthammer, who's a, a conservative, I guess, pundit or thinker, um, go go look for their conversations like a half hour long, 40 minutes long. They go back and forth. And just, just reasonable conversation, putting their ideas back and forth with I've different sides. And that's what Stewart could do. He has the ability to do that. Not everyone could do that, unfortunately, especially on a show like uh, on a Comedy Central show where um, it's it's. I, I fear for whoever comes in to be. I don't think they'll be able to replicate that. They might go more. Uh, they're definitely not going to go more right, but they might go more left, and then you might have an entirely different show at that point. Um, then it's almost like watching Rachel Maddow at that point. I uh, think that's a bit fucking extreme. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the potential. If you watch the show, they don't. The, most of the correspondence they they have more of a left leaning agenda versus even neutral. That's, I don't you know. roll your eyes, but that's I've I've watched the show uh, not religiously but consistently. So have I. So that I'm saying I'm just saying that's the danger. Uh, if if they don't go with someone like uh, a Stewart to replace them, um, where they can try to have nuanced conversation about topics without just saying this is this is right, this is wrong, even though quote unquote it's a comedy show. Uh, which is one of the re- one of the, one of the uh, I want to call it slam. One of my uh, criticism of Stewart is just that, though, is that um, he goes on Crossfire almost ten years ago when you had uh, Paul Begala and that stupid idiot with the mus- uh, with the uh, bow tie and skewers them for saying you are not raising uh, the public discourse. You have a responsibility to do that. Uh, then they go back at him. What about you? And he says, "Well, I'm on a, a show. Where I, my lead ins to a puppet show a- afterwards when they had uh, crank anchors, whatever afterwards." Um, that's too much of a shield, though, 
because when you got to Stewart's sort of height and and his, and his sort of uh knowing all these politicians and having on heads of state. Um, I thought he, he did a good job, but it wasn't perfect he, uh, responsibility to the public discourse himself. And he did try to raise the bar. Yeah. But didn't his actions speak for him? I mean, maybe he, why, why, why is it bad for him to kind of deflect that? I mean, why, why does he have to uh, step up and say that he is raising the bar? I mean, why can't his well, show just because, do that naturally? Because his show became totally political. Right. Um, so, Right, but he doesn't have to state that. It's obvious no, no. that that's he what it is. He has to practice it. What I'm saying is he didn't do a good enough a job doing that. Maybe that's me trying to hold him to a high enough standard. Um, because there, uh, when you watch like uh, the interviews, um, the interviews when they go out, like Samantha Bee or someone, when they go out and interview these people, they obviously butcher the editing and obviously do things to make the people look like fucking assholes they're talking to in order to prove their point. So they're doing things that they would always lob uh, shots at CNN or Fox News about uh, having a distorted point of view. But that's what they did on their quote-unquote field uh, interviews. Yes, but that's supposed to be obvious. It's if, not if they, always, though. Yeah, here, but if, if, if the audience isn't catching that, that's not the show's fucking problem. That's the audience's problem. I will agree or disagree there. I, I think that when, if you're, quote-unquote, you're trying to raise a public discourse, you you can't err on the side of comedy if you have political slants on on, on what you're doing. I think that's, that's the just, only way you can talk about it anymore. No, I, that, I disagree. Um, but I'm not, saying, I'm not saying he did a bad job overall, but that's the one part of Stewart's personality I just didn't like was that he was always like, oh, you have to do this and that. But, oh, I'm just a comedian. It's like, you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Either way, um, it is it is sad to see uh, uh, Stuart leave, but he must be burnt out. And, again, it's I'm just kind of surprised he's not going to stay through the 2016 election because always the presidential election is when you get the best material. Yeah, but can you imagine how exhausting that has to be? I'm well, I'm imagining he's dude. It would be it, it would be like a waiter leaving before the holiday season. Yeah, you're you're giving up a lot of tips, but why why fucking go through that bullshit? Well, yet? it's because it's comedy gold, especially when you have. Um, but he's not uh, allowed to do comedy. I never said that, Ian. It's comedy gold because, especially um, how it is in 2012, when you have you're going to have like 14 or 15 way too many Republican primary. You know, debates itself. It's just the comedy gold he could have stayed around for. Then, of course, with Hillary and everything else, it, it would be. Uh, I'm great sure fodder. he could have a field day, but it's, I mean, I I understand him. I would I would leave before the he would election. leave before he gets totally burnt out. Yeah, because that's going to kill him. Um, and so he hasn't revealed what he's going to be doing. He did just direct a movie that came out to oh, lukewarm, re- lukewarm response. Didn't do well at the box office, but he's trying to do other stuff. And yeah, it's a it's a big run. I mean, 16 years on one show, any show, whether it's a talk show or not, that's a huge, huge run. And we're talking, you know, what, 280 days a year doing it. Yeah. Whatever it is. Four days a week for probably, you know, 48, 46 weeks a year, whatever it is. Godspeed, John. Didn't it used to be five? When did they drop it down to four? It's always been Monday to Thursday. Oh. Uh, that's what most talk shows are because no one watches on Friday night. Yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, I know that that was... It was Monday through Thursday fairly quickly, but I thought there was a point in time when it was Monday through Friday. Not as far as I know. Anyways. Want to talk WWE? Not really, since, <laughs> but I mean, but, I mean, we can touch in real quick here. Um, well, let's let's start off with uh, Raw and um, last week's Raw, um, and then we'll talk about the Triple H appearing on Austin's podcast. So, it looks like... Seth it, Rollins has a penis. He's got a penis, but we'll get into that. But it looks like... Um, we might have another triple threat at WrestleMania again. The news is that Vince might have seen the error of his ways a second time and be like, maybe Daniel Bryan should be in the main event at WrestleMania again. 
Well, I mean, um, it's kind of hard to talk about this without talking about the podcast at the same time, um, because, sure. um, you know, I mean, that's something that Triple H really kind of, I don't, it's not like it slipped, but he kind of said that there's one guy calling the shots and, it's, and yes. people can lob ideas at him, but it's still it's one guy calling the shots. And he kind of saw the reaction afterward and realized, fuck. Triple H basically threw Vince under the bus, bus. and said... He's the guy. What he says, which is correct, it's his company still. Right. He has majority. He threw him under the bus in a very uh, <laughs> business type manner. Like, yeah, yeah. He's the guy calling the shots, and so that's that's why this happened. Uh, so, so basically, the way it's going to happen is the fast lane paper coming up. It's going to be. Uh, they basically acknowledge, like Daniel Bryan comes in the ring and acknowledges that, hey, I was stripped of the title. I never got a, a, a title shot back for her. I should at least be entitled to that, which is correct and yes. logically. And then Reigns comes out and says, Oh, I deserve it. Um, and then, so they said, and then Rollins comes out and yells at both of them and said, Hey, blah, blah, blah. And so they said, Well, why don't you, Reigns, if you're, if you, everyone, they acknowledge the booze. Hey, Reigns, if everyone's booing you and people don't believe in you, why don't you uh, put them, put all those doubters to rest and fight Brian for the chance to go to WrestleMania? And that's what's going to happen to Fastlane. Yeah. Anderson WrestleMania. And, and so they're trying to tweak the character to more back to like the badass, not talk as much, do awful uh, Bugs Bunny quote promos that he was doing. But it's going to be interesting in that there's going to be some sort of weird DQ where they're both probably going to end up in the main event of WrestleMania. I really um, don't want that. I wish. I had no interest. I already said it. I had no interest adding him in. They ruined their shot with me. He was supposed to, Dan Brown should have won the Rumble. Bottom line. Kaput. No. If they can write the story in an interesting way. They won't. I'm okay. They won't. But if they can, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I, the, the predictable outcome of Brian re- winning the Rumble would have been nice, but I don't need that to be interested in WrestleMania. What I need to be interested in WrestleMania is a good fucking card. Well, but no, but, you, but the story of Brian having to fight his way back to this to the, the rematch that he deserved anyway after getting stripped, that was the story enough. You're asking way too much from WWE right but, now. Okay, give me I, I give me a good card. The just, car- just show me a card that's going to be fun Undertaker to watch. Undertaker versus Wyatt, Sting versus Triple H, Ziggler versus no one. Um, Daniel Bryan versus Lesnar versus Reigns. That doesn't. Did catch- you say Ziggler versus Cesaro? Ziggler versus no one. <laughs> yeah. Cesaro versus no one. They win the thirty men. They're both in the thirty men under the giant battle royal again. Cesaro, <laughs> Cesaro versus the well, Grease Trap. But what's interesting is that the tri- the Triple H podcast after that Raw last week sort of cemented the thinking behind it because one of the first things that Austin says again, this is on a wrestling podcast on WB. Yeah. Is kayfabe dead? Yep. Did you ever think that you would even on a WWE program you would hear that? That question was asked two or three times, or no, th- no. Austin asked it, and then later on, when discussing Reigns mm-hmm. and things like that, um, Triple H once again brought up the yeah. notion that kayfabe is dead. I mean, but the thing is, is and they do kind of mention in the podcast too. I don't think any real wrestling fan wants kayfabe to be dead. I think every wrestling fan wants to be taken along for a good good ride, yes. a good story. Um, it's a soap opera after all, yes. Kayfabe is great when it's done well. Like, Convince me that I can trust in your kayfabe, again, basically is what I want. Like, mm-hmm. Show me that you can write me an interesting story, and I'll stop bitching about what's going on behind the scenes on a yes. fucking podcast. Yes, so basically, the the, the way um, I, I I had some tweets about why Reigns winning the Rumble was bad, but it was like someone had a, an Avengers sort of uh, sort of uh, 
parallel. It's like, say you're watching the Avenger, Avengers, and then they kill Captain America off 20 minutes in, and then Hawkeye ends up being the one that d- saves the day at the end. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> what the Royal Rumble was. You know, it's like, oh, okay. You know, it just, it just doesn't make any sense from a narrative standpoint. It's, this is a narrative. Yeah. It's an, what's, what's unique about pro wrestling is that it's an ongoing narrative that can change yes. week to week. It's supposed to be a fluid narrative. Yes. And that, that's, that's something that I, I do think we are slowly starting to see, especially with how they're working this right now, yeah. is, that, is that because for so long it was a fluid narrative. And then it became this rigid thing where, fuck the fans, this is how we're doing it. Especially like during the... Partially because they were doing it so fast, but especially during like the Attitude Era and the end of WCW. Like, it doesn't matter what the fans want, this yes. is how it's going. Let's push it. And now we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, well, fuck, that pay-per-view is awful, and we need to keep subscriptions up, so we're well, going to re-edit this. When you have a number one trend for 24 hours of canceled W Network, that made them listen. Yeah, exactly. That made them, whoa, maybe we have to listen to the fans a little I'm bit. I'm just trying to picture Vince, like, sitting there, like, trying to get this all soaked in. I think Vince, it's literally, Vince is out, I mean, I think Vince is out of touch, he's 70, he's out of touch, obviously. Yeah. Because for him to make the same mistake two years in a row, not having Brian win the Rumble, not even one of the years, it's like, It also makes me dislike him a lot, though, because it means he doesn't listen to anyone. And he always said that he listens to the fans, which was why when the podcast with Austin the month before, he says, oh yeah, when when Austin brought up Cesaro being buried, he's like, this guy... Austin's like this guy's getting the biggest cheers after winning the battle royal. He was hot, and then you put him with Heyman, and 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 then McMahon's like, "Well, he didn't connect with the fans. He connected with, with the fans, fans. by doing a giant swing move and doing brutal uppercuts and having great matches. Yeah. He Who the fuck did Cesaro not connect with? I know I loved him. You and, could and, you couldn't you couldn't make that guy a heel if you tried. And now he's trying to rebuild his career in a very good tag team with, with uh, Tyson Kidd. Yes. That's the whole other story. But what was interesting was that. Um, Triple H didn't disguise the fact, again, this is KFAZ, that no, Reigns is getting booed in some cities. However, he did try to couch it a little bit, saying, oh, but some cities is getting cheered. But here's the difference. Brian's getting cheered in every single city. He's not getting booed in any city. Well, and the That's diff- the huge difference. And the di- Bri- Brian's a pure, pure face in a world where they don't exist anymore in wrestling, right. in pro wrestling. Um, tell Rico finger cage. Um... <laughs> The thing is, is what Triple H describes is very true sure. in terms of how a wrestler can, uh, how a wrestler's, um, the reaction to a wrestler can change from city to city, especially with indie circuits. But that's not true of Roman Reigns. He's applying truthful wrestling booking, like, scenarios, yeah. but to a wrestler who that's not really the case with. I, I, because Reigns is still, because Reigns got booed in Connecticut. Please point me to the show where I can hear Reigns getting cheered after winning the Rumble. Well, I mean, well, well, that was Philadelphia. His point was probably was like, his point was trying to make. Well, maybe if that wasn't in Philadelphia, it was somewhere else. He would have been cheered. No, oh no, no, he would have been in booed. The he said he he just got cheered and I blah blah blah. But like he just got At a cheered, house show uh, somewhere. Yeah. He said yeah. he mentioned a house show, right? Which well, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he's the biggest fucking guy on the card. And so house yeah, shows don't have everyone. <laughs> right? House shows they split the rosters sometimes, or guys take off. Lonnie and I were are thinking about going to the house show that's next coming, month. coming uh, next go. month. Yeah. yeah, but the biggest wrestler they're announcing is like a main event with Roman Reigns. I'm like, I don't... Okay, no. I don't, <laughs> I don't and the ticket prices have gone up since I used to go to shows. Oh, I, really? I don't want to pay... It's not even a SmackDown either. It's no, just a house show. I don't want to pay house show money to watch Roman Reigns' main event. I will pay that kind of money to go see a SmackDown. So this is where we're at now, though. Um, we're at now where they realize 
We need to have Brian in the main event. They ruined having a huge rumble by having Brian fight all the way through. Whatever, that's gone again. Maybe he'll win a rumble next year. No year after. Who the hell knows? But um, the, the arguments against Brian winning were like, yeah, you can't have a main event two WrestleManias. It's like, wow, Austin main evented three or four. Hogan main evented like five. It's like, what's the difference? Rocky? You know, I mean, I, if the guy's the most popular wrestler, people want to see. That's like saying, oh, this boxer has been popular three years in a row and is still a champ. I can't see him fight again as a champ. No, don't that's not what me, it's about. Don't give me a fucking excuse if it's got more holes in it than Swiss cheese. I know, I, it's, I, I, it's fucking dumb. But I also think they realize that I don't think I don't think Brian's going to come out the champion. I think what a lot of people are th- predicting is that uh, Heyman's going to turn on Lesnar because Lesnar's getting face pops too. He's going to turn on him, and then they're going to have uh, Reigns go heel and win You're the championship. You're gross. The fans are gross. Why is he getting face pops? Because he's a beast. No, and he's, he's not. Scary. He's a piece of shit. And he can kill people. And anyway, he's not scary. But they're also probably realizing that maybe after the fact that Reigns isn't progressing in the ring, and we cannot have a 25, 30 minute main event Reigns versus Lesnar because it will not go well. We need Rain, We need Brian in there. Clothesline, to- clothesline, clothesline, Spear. suplex, yeah. suplex, clothesline. You need, suplex. you need Brian in there to nudge it along and to. Brian will be in the match like probably three quarters of the time. You need Brian to carry it. Yes. That's the other, and then plus, if Brian wasn't if Brian wasn't going to be in, in the main event, there's no place on the card for him. I think they realized that. Yeah, we made a major mistake here. We're to have we're going to have him tear, you know, be a curtain jerker and face some random guy on the freebie show, you know, and people would probably boo the entire rest of the, of the event. So it was an interesting podcast. And just as an aside, on Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins had a really strange night on Raw, just because when Raw started, his Twitter and Instagram account sent out sent out um, boobs. A nude picture of a, a female developmental wrestler, but Rollins is engaged to someone else. So this is all during Raw, by the way. So uh, his fiance tweeted out two nude pictures of Seth Rollins while Raw was going on. It's absolutely, biz- totally bizarre. The other bizarre part about it is that if you went to the superstar page in WWE, the new picture that Rollins tweeted out, hack or not, was on WWE.com. Totally bizarre. Rollins apologized. He, it was a, either either it was hacked, I don't know, or it was one of the things where you get a picture and you hit tweet by accident instead of saving or something, and it went out and didn't realize it. Just bizarre. But I don't think Rollins is going to get punished, which is which is good because Rollins is the only pure heel in the company right now that people are actually booing and booing like a hundred percent. So they need Rollins. Rollins has stepped up and need him going forward. Pure. Any other any other highlights from from the awesome podcast? We talk about talk about they talk about China Hall of Fame. No. And Triple H said, "I don't want my eight year old googling her and seeing her basically as a porn star, even though they have basically murderers in the Hall of Fame." You know, <laughs> like so. I mean, there's that, which oh. is interesting. And the fact that, you know, he dumped China, and then China just now claims a Triple H hitter. Really weird stuff. Okay! It's time to go to the Q&A. Q&A. David Moass say Q&A. Uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Last time. I just wanted to make it rhyme for the song. Do you guys ever worry about offending fellow YouTubers' friends with some of your strong opinions on topics? No. Um... I, I have to be more careful than Ian on this because I'm producing stuff outside of this and I go to conventions more than him. I haven't run across it yet, but I, I will just say this. There have been guys I, I have seen, I don't want to say distance themselves from me, but maybe be less reluctant uh, to discuss things. Um, and of course they have brands protect and everything else. But in terms of this, I can't do that on a podcast because people realize when you're being full of shit on a podcast where if you're not giving your true opinion uh, on things. My real answer to this is... Um, I'm never really out to truly offend 
anyone. Well, no, I'm, I'm not out to offend anyone, but these are my opinions. Oh, no, I'm, I'm out to offend some people. Okay. I'm definitely out to offend some people. But, I mean, I'm not out to offend particular people, like, uh, like that I know. No, neither am I. Um, I'm definitely out to offend certain groups of people um, who are shitheads and fuckwads and, you know, ass munchers. Um, but... It, it, when I, it, here's the deal. Joey always gets on me. Uh, our pal Joey Rue DeSena, uh, who was a YouTube celebrity um, in 121 BC. Um, <laughs> He's the one. See, see, this is what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I, I, I talk a lot of shit, and it's mostly jokes. And I can take a lot of shit. I'm not a very sensitive person when it comes to taking a lot of shit for my mannerisms and things like that. Um, so I don't ever... I don't ever want to truly offend like if i bring up someone like joey or the game chasers or someone that i've met and actually enjoy spending time with uh if i make a joke about them on the podcast no i'm not trying to offend them but i i don't worry i don't worry about offending listeners i don't if i worried about offending listeners we wouldn't have a good podcast no you, you have to speak I, your mind I, I i think also this goes back to conversations i've had to impact where we've had quote-unquote controversial subjects where at the end of the day uh, if you disagree on a topic, you still, if you respect the other person, then all is well, in theory. Um, because at the end of the day, we, we are still humans. We're never going to agree 100% on everything. We're not robots. We're not drones. That being said, I know I have offended at least one huge YouTuber with one of my videos in the past. And that could have hurt me professionally. Do I really care at the end of the day? Not really. Ethan Delgado. Ian, do you have any tips for cleaning cartridges and game labels? What am I, chop liver? I often get real horrible condition labels. Um, so honestly, the easiest thing you can do to get rid of like Sharpie on a, uh, a cartridge is a little bit of rubbing alcohol on a Q-tip and uh, just rub it. Most of the time, you'll see the Sharpie melt away, and it won't discolor. Um, it won't discolor cartridge unless it's one of those deep permanent markers. You could be in trouble. Uh, I've never had a problem with that. Well, if you're going to do... You can always go uh, Magic Eraser, Mr. Clean. Yep, you can do Magic Eraser. I was going to get there. You can do Magic Erasers, and you can do Goo Gone. I've heard a lot of people flip out about Goo Gone. I've never seen Goo Gone discolor a cartridge. Not not for I, spot cleaning. I've heard more Goo Gone for stuff on the label itself, like for sticky substances. Goo Gone works... Um, when it comes to actual labels, I've I'd found, be careful. I've, th- th- my main thing is I would be very careful. I don't want to offer any real tips... I personally have had okay um, uh, results with, I'm talking basically a dry erase Q-tip that has just the minimum amount of rubbing alcohol on it. Dry erase Q-tip means... Meaning it's almost dry. Like, very, very little rubbing alcohol. You have to be careful with something like Goo Gone on a label because it's oil-based. It goes to the edge and get underneath. It's oil-based. It can get to the edge and get underneath. Rubbing alcohol, like, if you've got a spot of something that's, like, like marker right in the middle and you just quickly brush at it with a q-tip that has a very very fine mist of like rubbing alcohol on it it'll go away and i mean it's it's not you're not always going to get it perfect but it's going to be better than before first for junk on the label or even a or even another like sticker on the label another label i i've tried dissolving it in like windex because the cool thing about windex is it usually doesn't run all over it stays right in the spot if you're careful um, so you put a little bit of Windex on, like, say it's like a price tag. It'll dissolve it. And, and so later you come back and it, you can well, just get off that's, that's what I'm talking about doing with, with rubbing alcohol, which sure. is generally a little bit more liquidy. But that's why, that's why I say be dry with it. You know, be, you know, use very, very little. Use it sparsely. Not the same amount that you would use to clean contacts by any means. If you use it sparsely 
and you pay attention, you can get another label off that label very, very cleanly. Here's what I've noticed, though. At least for NES games, the labels on NES games are a, a lot more tougher than, say, something like an N64 label. Or even Super Nintendo. Super so, like, yeah, don't. This does not apply to every so game cartridge. Do the whole test the corner thing, or because I've had it where I try to, you know, do the same tactic of using Windex uh, on an NES cart and took the color. Like a layer of mm-hmm. color right off an N64 label, and you have to be really you have to be really careful with Magic Eraser too. I feel like I even talked about this on the podcast, or I told a customer about it recently. Um, Magic Eraser can take color off a label very easily. I wouldn't use it on a label. Uh, wait, no, no, I'm just saying like if you accidentally rub it on oh, there, yeah, if you're trying terrible. to take off like marker, um, when you're using a Magic Eraser on a console to remove like marks on a console. Don't get it anywhere near anything you don't want taken off, sure. like Nintendo Entertainment System, because it will take that paint yeah. right off. Oh, yes. Um, and in terms of the inside, uh, cleaning the contacts, of course... Rubbing alcohol. Rubbing alcohol on Q-tip works 99% of the time. Two cc's. Two cc's. <laughs> Two cc's is all you need. It's, it's more than enough, actually. One cc would be enough. One c- I feel like 1.5 cc's would be about right. 1.25. And then, um, if that doesn't work, you can always try uh, people like using a rubber eraser from a pencil, or you get one of those working in. Make sure you clean off the excess. I've seen it work. I have. I've seen Windex work. As, I, I, again, start with rubbing alcohol. If it doesn't work, go to other things. And then, worst case scenario, use Brasso or a brass cleaner. I would say start with rubbing alcohol. Stay with rubbing alcohol. Go to Brasso. Or use fine sandpaper. Um, I don't like using Windex. I don't like ammonia. That's harsher than anything else we've mentioned. I've never heard of using ammonia. Well, there's ammonia in Windex. Okay. Is it a huge amount, though? Most window cleaners largely ammonia. All right. I don't know my Um And then what was the other one that you had mentioned? Um, oh, the, uh, the erasers. I'm fine with the erasers. I've my- seen it. My coworker swears he says, and I don't, I don't doubt him. He says a, a, an electrician, a guy who works with electronics, came in and said that too much use of rubber eraser over time will take the the the, the more conductive metals off the contacts. Okay, but I've never really experienced it as a problem. I, again, start with rubbing alcohol, and then the, if you do the brass up, make sure you go back and re-clean it out again. Get that junk yeah. off there with with another Q-tip rubbing alcohol. Get that shit off there. Mainly, I'm just covering my ass. I don't want someone to go and ruin a cartridge with a technique that we suggested. Sure. You, you, yeah, we should put a disclaimer at the bottom. Yeah. At your now own risk. Yeah, now responsible. Yeah. For, <laughs> your results may vary. Uh, this is from at F1 Midboss. This scumbag is trying to sell a signed Mega Man 3 uh, game for 50000 Thoughts on people reselling autographs? Um, the guy's delusional. I mean, that's really all I can say about it. What most people don't realize is autographs on things don't really fucking up the value of the item all that much. Because um, you might think having like an autographed comic or an autographed game in pristine condition is great. That's great for you. Some people want the article unblemished. Um, and autographs of game developers and comic writers, that's, once again, cool to you, but that's not nearly on the same level as autographs, I'm just saying in general, to other people, um, on the same level as autographs of sports stars or big-time musicians. Or, there's, there's no guarantee. Or that, actors. Or actors. There's no guarantee that this... Uh, just because you have the autograph does not mean it's worth more. In well, many cases, it means it's worth less. Do you have a problem with someone getting an autograph with the explicit intention of reselling it? 
I kind of do. I, I I do, but I laugh because, like I said, most of the time it lowers the value. This is what CM Punk in his quote in his pipe bomb famous promo from the summer of Punk in 2011. That's one of the things he said. He's like, you know, basically said, "You guys, you bothered me at the airport. You're there at six in the morning, not getting a real job, getting my autographs to put the stuff on eBay. So they're not doing it for their kids or, or right. for themselves. It's like." It's a little, it's a little, it's it's taking advantage a little bit because when someone's giving an autograph, they're taking time out of their personal day right. to give you an well, autograph that they think you like. One you know? of my favorite musicians has put it this way. Uh, he goes by the stage name Tobacco. Um, he he's uh, he's the guy behind Black Moth Super Rainbow. He's like, you want me to autograph your stuff? That's fine. But what you're really asking me to do is to deface your stuff. And I'll deface your stuff if you ask me to. He's like, but if you've got like a limited like pressing of something that I did, and you ask me to autograph it, you need to know that that's not always going to make it worth more. He's like, y- 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 autographs don't really mean shit. And I, I kind of well, agree with that. They have no intrinsic value, but yeah. it's all the sentimental value you put with it. Right. right. It, it, but that's 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 like the old saying: everything has its buyer. Well. This uh, most objects have more buyers when they're unautographed. Is how I feel. What's your Babe Ruth autograph? Your Babe Ruth. <laughs> You're a at, babe. At old school, at old school, Sean. Do you think there are more people into retro collecting now as an investment than there are people into it for the nostalgia? Ian, you work at a shop. I'm going to turn that to you since you encounter more than me. Um, <laughs> Sean, I, I I don't. That's kind of a really negative way to look at it. Like you bookended that, like in a way that's making me sad. <laughs> are people only buying this because it's what they grew no, up with, or are people only buying this because they want to make no, money? Are there more people? No, more I know, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like the, the just the terms he used. Um, I no, I don't think I don't think there are people. There are more people buying as an investment than there are people buying for nostalgia. I think there are more people buying now. And this is a good thing. I think there are more people buying now because they actually want to play this shit. Which is one of the coolest things that I've actually seen in my store in a long time. Is people... I, we're back at that period again, like it was when I first started working there like eight years ago. We're back at that period where like, okay, the boom in collectors has kind of dropped off. Like, I'm not saying that there's no collectors. I'm just saying like the rise, like the introduction of fresh collectors. There's so many in it right now. There's no more new ones to come in. Yeah. There's, there's very few. So what we're getting back to is like, I have so many people come up to me again now, like I did when I first started working there, being like, recommend me a game. That's fun to play. Like, I think people now are buying the people who are sticking around are buying, are, are, are sticking around because they're enjoying it. Um, so you think we're past the second wave of, of of the collectors coming in? Yes, I do. I, I think we are. I, I don't know that we're past it, but I think we're slowly getting there. Um, that's what I see. Um, honestly, I have never felt that there are more people in this for money than nostalgia or fun. Um, definitely, maybe more people in it for collecting the fun. But even the people who are just in it to collect weren't really doing it for money. I mean, I've known lots of people who are doing it. There's, there's people that. Yes, but I'm talking about people who come into the store. I mean, they want a full set because they're obsessive-compulsive and they need everything, but they're not necessarily doing it to sell it. They're doing it, and I hate this phrase too, because it looks nice on the shelf. Well, I I wasn't actually (laughs) slyly referencing you. I was slyly referencing someone else we both know. Uh Um, But anyways, (laughs) uh, yeah, I I don't think it's... I don't... Because it's too risky, and it's... I think people who actually invest in financial things look at video games and go, why the fuck would I invest in video games? Yeah, I mean, I, I bring this up time and time again, because again, if you're going to invest in something, 
Video games should be the last thing. Yeah. You're not going to go to a a, 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 a party, a, 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 a socialite party, and say, oh, what are you investing in? Um, well, you know, there's some foreign stocks right now. You know, oil is dropping, but gold. Oh, I invest in video games. They think you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> if they thought you were actually investing in a, in a, a toy, a game. Yeah. I mean, there are people who do buy is like, because they think they're investing, but those people are idiots. Um, I, I really do think that it's it, it's it's not so much of that. Ninety nine percent of people that think they're investing, you're not going to be able to retire off of video games. No, you might be able to buy maybe a used car, but you're not going to be retiring. Or that's to me investing. When the Nintendo market's at its hottest and you have a full set, I mean, what do you really think you can sell that for? We've answered that on the podcast, and I'm not saying I can't throw a number, but I'm not saying throw a number, but that number is not going to buy. It, it, I can't pay off my mortgage with my game collection. That number is not going to buy you a house in San Diego. I can't pay up my mortgage. It's not an investment. So, yeah. It's not an investment. I, I own an extremely valuable game. Well, Path mentioned his game. The point is, is owning one of the most valuable games doesn't mean shit compared to everything else you can invest in. Whatever. Anyways. James Stundis, Chemical Who Boy. Uh, Mythbus 3 Urban Video Game Legends Later. that you wish people would stop spreading, i.e. blowing into the cartridge. Okay, I have to Mythbus that one every day, and I, we don't really have to go into that. Moisture, ha- Metal hates moisture. Moisture on metal creates oxidation. Oxidation causes dust to get trapped in. Okay, we've got to bust that one. Um, I mean, what what other myths are there? I mean, there's a, lot of, Ninte- there's a lot of Nintendo myths. Spy Hunter has no ending. <laughs> Tom, Tom in third grade yeah. doesn't have an ending. You don't fight hand-to-hand combat outside the car. No, you don't. You don't hop on a motorcycle. You don't hop on the, the helicopter. Nope. No, you definitely don't. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, what when you it? get the high score and Danny solves Indie Heat, Danny doesn't personally call you out to his uh, country cottage for a breakfast brunch, which should happen, but it didn't. Uh, it did. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he as nice in person as he is in the game? Yeah, he just wonders about you sometimes. Oh, yeah. Okay. He worries about you. <laughs> what, what are some other What are some other myths? I don't I don't know. I mean, like I liked this question when we picked what it, was, but now I can't. What was that arcade of... game that people thought existed but didn't? That they pulled off the market. Remember that? You heard that? It was like it wasn't like it made kids go crazy or something. I don't know, but I mean, that now, was, now, was now, 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 it. now it, it was an, it was it was an army thing to psychological warfare. You know, shit like that. Now I'm just thinking of like myths in general. I mean, we don't have to bust them because they were busted. But like, I remember you know the kids in like fucking seventh, eighth grade selling like you know the uh, the printed out you know move lists for Mortal Kombat two. <laughs> okay, with, like, with all oh, the nudalities in there. No, no, yeah, that like was that was that was yeah. myths when yeah. people. No, it like, was. I'm just saying we don't need to bust that. Back but, when, yeah. back when, but you know, right before the internet really got in everyone's household, you'd have oh, how do you, it was word of mouth and people go in arcades and you print out lists of moves and. Yeah, oh, do the do the babality, and you're like, oh, is that a myth or? Is it? Then there was this weird shit like the anima- animalities and stuff, and it was That's like an MK3. But but it was like then you had this combination stuff. It was like, oh, you can do a babality fatality combo and do all this stuff, and it was just like, holy shit, what is real and what is not? It was that sort of weird time. There's the Shenlong Street Fighter myth. I don't know. I mean, there's really the blowing and cartridges thing is big. I wish we had more time to think about this because there are things that we should probably be like, Touch no, on. fuck you, uh, in terms of like, you don't want to do this, but yeah, yeah, really don't blow on the cartridges. Don't, don't do it. Don't play the, don't play uh super team games in the power pad. That's that's unless you are really in shape. That's <laughs> really in shape. Or unless you want to smell bad. Speaking of internet, uh, this is from at chemical who boy. What are the pros and cons of gaming pre-internet? Obviously, the pros are everything's new and fresh. You're not spoiled. Um, it's almost like 
when you don't have everyone else around you experience the same thing, it's a, a, more of an individual experience. I kind of touched on this in a previous podcast. It might have even been a similar question, um, or I might have spun off there, but it's the same thing. I, I miss pre... It's not, it's not like I'm anti-internet. I just miss pre-internet gaming because the hype cycles for games are just insane mm-hmm. to the point where, like... So, like, the Persona 5 trailer came out the other day. I really want to play Persona 5 because I like the Persona series. I don't need to see a trailer to know that I want to play Persona 5. I don't I just, because I've played the series. And what's going on a year from now? Yeah. So, I don't want to deal with the hype cycle. I don't want to finally pick up... It's like up, movies. I don't want to pick up Persona 5 and know fucking one quarter of the game. You know, I, I, I liked being able to experience everything fresh for myself. The cons are, now if I'm stuck in a game, it's really easy to find fucking help and get me through it. The big con is, is that now you are or privy to reviews and playthroughs before you buy a game, you, it's harder to make a bad decision. Yes. Um, and throw away, like, remember, NES... No, that's a pro. You, you oh, called it a con, okay. but, but yeah, that's a pro. I mean, uh, I go back to NES games were $50 back in then, like... $50 now is, is worth a lot less than $50 back then. And all of us who were playing Nintendo when it was the relevant system had 50% shit games in our libraries yes. because we were not... Okay, I w- we, I'm not saying that's... I wouldn't say 50%. Percent. I, I would say that you had a much higher chance of getting, getting a, a shit dud. game. Yeah, there was yeah. A, a bigger chance of getting a dud. You know, I'm you, sure, I'm sure. obviously, there's tons of Back to the Future and Karate Kids out there, and you bought that just because on the, on the license alone, and kids were disappointed. Karate Kid's not that bad. Not that good. Either. So, what are your thoughts about collecting expensive CD-based games such as Sega CD with regards to Discrot? Uh, Discrot right now, I'm. I feel like Discrot is the boogeyman in the closet that you're all fearing that you don't need to fear quite yet. Um, I think you'll have to fear it at some point, but it's it, yes. it's, it's almost like the EEPROMs that are still existing for almost every NWC still works. When is it going to happen? 20 years from now? 30? It'll happen. But I think at that point, either people won't care, or all these ISOs are online. You can just burn a new version. And And you need to realize that if you are collecting expensive CD-based games, the way you've phrased it leads me to believe that you're worried about the value. It's still a physical copy. It's still going to maintain some value, even if it doesn't play. When we get to the point where there is widespread disc rot, and this is something you actually have to worry about... You still having a physical copy of a rare Sega CD game like yes. uh, Pop Full Mail, it's still going to be worth money. It's still going to be relevant. Yeah, it's still going to be relevant. It's still going to be worth money. But, uh, dude, I really do think Discrot is like this monster that everyone's fearing. I mean, where are these articles of widespread Discrot? It's not happening yet. Oh. Oh, you were waiting for it? Should we write it and, fe- and, and still fear in people? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and I, that's the thing. I just I don't think it's something you need to be super concerned with at the moment. David Schulz. I like your last name. It's like, it's like Charles. Oh, it's the Gamer Going Gray. Hi, Gamer Going Gray. What do you see happening with secondary market prices with the release of the upcoming Console Wars movie? If it gets made. Here's the thing. Uh, I think the ratio of properties or scripts that actually get made is something like 10% only of scripts or uh, licenses that get purchased for a production of a movie actually get made. Right. Um Obviously, you have Seth Rogen behind it, but that doesn't guarantee it'll get made. Well, this is it's, a higher-profile script purchase because of who's behind it and what it's about, but that doesn't change the the likelihood of it actually getting well, seen through to completion. There's, there's no script yet. They bought yeah. the rights uh, to the right, I'm sorry, the rights, yes. But that being said, it's still, even though we are huge into retro games overall in the, in the public, it's still a very niche concept. Adam Sandler movie coming out this summer about retro gamers, that aside... It's still a very niche concept to the general public. They're going to have to sell that to a studio to actually 
put the money behind it. I'm still not 100% behind the aspect that talking about or exposing people to games necessarily, sometimes, but not uh, certainly not always, raises the price drastically on, uh, on the second-hand market. I'm not sure a um, broad-appeal movie about Nintendo and Sega is going to drastically raise the prices of those. I, I just... I. I could be proven wrong, but I don't think it's going to. And plus, isn't the book mostly... Well, they probably focus mostly on Sega. Yeah. So... And Sega's, and Sega's already getting a little bit of a push in and of itself just because people are moving to it. I just... I don't know. I don't know that the movie... We'd have to see. I mean, as, if the movie does come out, ask me three months after the movie, and I'll tell you. I can't predict it. Will we see $100 Genesis systems, basically? That's no, I don't think we will. I think we will see the system prices stay relatively the same. Because there's millions of them. Still. Yeah. Uh, Shane Schaefer... You, if you found a very rare game at a flea market severely underpriced, what would you do? Let seller know, just buy it. The age-old question. Um, I have found stuff at flea markets back in the late '90s, uh, like my boxed Caltron six and one, um, complete with the manual and stuff. Where I looked at the guy and I said, it was like labeled twelve bucks, and the guy knew his stuff. And I looked at him and I said, "Are you sure?" He's like, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not out to rip anyone off. I will basically throw a, especially if I think the people know, I'll throw a glancing comment, or I will mention something. It's what I do every day at my job when people trade stuff in, it's because I want to be an honest businessman. I tell people when they bring stuff in that is worth something. At a flea market, I do feel like it's it, it, it's kind of like the buyer's paradise. But at the same point in time, I. I don't know. I mean, there have been times where, like, my Action 52 came from the same guy. He won $15 for it. Complete. And I'm like, dude, are you sure? And he's like, you're buying $200 worth of games today. I don't care. Let's back up here. When you What, what year did you buy that Action 52 for $15? At 99 It was worth $40 then, though. That's a no, huge difference. No, it was difference. worth about 100 And the okay. Caltron was one of the sought-afters. I mean, uh, Caltron was, but Action 52, I bought my Action 52 for $60 complete in 2007. Eh, so, fair. I mean, that, that's one that's only gotten really expensive lately. But I guess personally, my thing is, is I, I, here's I, the thing. I, I don't People wanna... go to flea markets for bargains. Um, but this question comes down to, do you feel you're ripping someone off who is asking a price and you are accept, you are agreeing on an accepted price that they are offering up, is there anything wrong with that? I, I would say, no, there isn't. No. I, I, if you're talking about, especially in this day and age, where everyone has a smartphone, people have the opportunity to look up everything you want. People don't go to... I don't go to the flea market at 7 in the morning to, to pay eBay prices. No. I don't wake up 6 in the morning to pay eBay prices. Otherwise, I'm not going to the flea market. What's no, the point? But let me put it... I, I guess I would put it this way, because I don't go to flea markets anymore. I haven't gone to flea markets in, year, years, in, dec, in a decade, over a decade. I don't have the repertoire with the sellers I have, so I don't feel like I need Rep- to take... Repertoire? Repertoire, rapport, whatever. Rapport. Eat, eat my dick. Um, no, I don't want to. Th- thank you, grammar person. You're just like the trolls in the comment section. That's vocabulary. Go yeah, on. Uh, uh, vocabulary. You're. you're... <laughs> anyway, 
I don't have the rapport with these people anymore. I don't feel like I need I think to it's take... part of it. And I don't feel like I need to take care of them because they're not taking care of me. Yes. This guy used to always take they're... care of me. The guy that I, 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 the guy that I did actually go, hey, these are worth something to, was a guy who always took care of me, so I yes. felt the need to make sure he got what was fair for him. That's a big difference, too. Modern day... If I were to go to a, a, a flea market and see a game being sold for five that I know went for sixty, maybe I'd throw twenty on the table, take the game, and walk. You would just do that and just walk. Maybe I'd just take. Yeah. Even even the risk is like the person. The, the, the risk is always if you let the person know it's actually worth a lot more. They'll either not sell to you. Or That's why I say price. just walk. Say I'm grabbing this and leave the money. The what happens? They run, just turn around and leave. The what happens? They run after you. Say here's your change. What would you do? Just say, keep the change. You just turn and leave. Okay. It, 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 it's a sale that went through with a price tag still on it. I mean, that's um, what I'm saying. But I, but I would be, these days, with, with, with the resellers the way they are, and no rapport like I had with previous sellers, um, I would feel much less guilty about getting a deal, especially if it was from a reseller. I, I think you got to realize, too, is that you're not going to find these deals all, anyway. I don't. I think I told you the past year, you don't find cheap NES games anymore. No. The past year, if I was trying to find uh, I, games to give away with a DVD, you don't find them anymore. You, you can't find bulk NES games. They don't exist either because people aren't putting them out there or the resellers are... There's, there's more resellers that are getting there at 5.30 in the morning, 6 before you're there, and they're buying them all. They're just buying all they can. Yeah, I, I, so, I guess. So the people that remain, who remains then? The people that are either too late to get their stuff out, and they're just they they don't care. They just using it as a garage. They want to get rid of it. And honestly, a lot of people don't give a shit about the stuff. They're, oh, I always want to get rid of it. You give it's me like a few when bucks people each. sell stuff to me, and I'm like, you know, this is worth a lot. You know, this yeah. amount. And they're like, I don't care if you're going to give me X amount, then I'm happy. Yeah, I'm not going to feel guilt if someone says, oh, just give me, you know, give me twenty bucks for these ten games. You know, I just I don't care. All right, here's your twenty bucks. I guess the big. What do you want to do? Give them hundred and fifty? No, I guess the big difference between my response to this and your response to this is I don't go to flea markets anymore, and I don't have a guy who is really good. I don't. I no yeah, longer have a guy who's are, really good to me. There are sellers that um, that I know that have given me good deals and and look out for me. And those guys, I would definitely say, oh, this is the rare version, or this is this. Right. This is what this is. Or if I saw something really rare. Um, I would probably say, okay, let's work out a deal for it. What this comes know. down to is, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Yeah. Otherwise, if uh, if someone had a bubble bath babes on the table uh, for ten dollars, I'm buying that bubble bath babes for ten dollars. Otherwise, I'm never going to own it because I'm never going to buy it for a thousand dollars. That's fair. That's you know, fair. that's what it comes down to. Sure. I, I, I can see that. As long as you're not dishonest, there's a difference between doing that and then someone like this happened to me. And people, if people ask me what is this worth, I will be honest and tell no, them what it's same, worth. same here. That's entirely different. And and there's also a difference to me between a person who's buying it for their personal collection yes. and a person who's buying it to flip it. Yes, that that's come down to me before in the past with me. I used to give uh, come at felt, me, you pieces of shit. I used to give people really good deals of uh, when I thought they were collecting. I would give them either the price I paid. For like a diehard NES game or a little bit above, but if I found that they were going to flip it, I would not do business with them anymore. Right. To me, because that was entirely different. All right, last one for the evening. We're at eleven. Man, two hours. Joaquin Gonzalez. Are movies too long nowadays? It seems like every movie in the last decade is over two hours long. You know what? I actually really like this question because my big problem with movies is me committing to that time um, in one sitting. Especially in a theater. I have to pee a lot. I have a bladder the size of a walnut. Um, so, I, 
I like movies that can tell their story in an hour and a half. I don't think two hours is excessively long. I don't like the sudden trend of average movies being two hours and 15 minutes to two and a half hours. Like, that's too long for Depends me. on the pacing. If it's written well and paced well, you don't feel it at that time. No, you don't. I just... I, I just in Captain terms America of, Winter Soldier was like two hours, 20 minutes. Didn't true. feel like it at all. True. I guess just in terms of my day-to-day, like, what I do on my days off, with my time off, with my little time off, I... I I would love a. I would love to see movies settle in around the two hour mark, like maximum. Go back to that, you mean versus yeah. even ninety? Yeah. I think I think there's something that's happened where there's a perceived value that's kicked back in uh, to movies. Movies now cost an average like thirteen dollars. Sure. You, you, so some so, people want to be there longer. It wasn't like even ten years ago where people didn't maybe want to spend two hours in the theater. They wanted that ninety five minute experience, but now they, they might feel cheated. If you go see a superhero movie now, you don't want it to be less than two hours. You want three or four really good long fight scenes. You want the development you want. You expect it to be. Avengers are probably gonna Avengers two is gonna be easily two hours, twenty minutes, if not two and a half hours. Sure. It's gonna be long. Um so that's what you want. You want that money's worth. Uh again, if a movie's written well, uh it doesn't if it's short or long, it just goes it goes it goes the, the last uh, the last uh, uh two hobbit movies they stretch it from two to three movies and it showed it was like come on get on with it yeah. get on with it i, I never so saw him but that's what i heard they could have did both in, in in two two hour 45 minute movies or two three hour movies instead of having three two and a half hour movies they could have done it um it's weird that i look at everything in terms of time but i do because i i have little free time i guess you're a man I, of mystery you're out and about no, I just work like nine to ten hours a fucking day. Um, Man of mystery. But for me, it's like I will, I will take a risk on a movie that's ninety minutes long. I will only go see like a two and a half hour movie if I'm fairly certain I'm going to enjoy it. Well, I, I usually don't take risks anymore. That's how I look at it. I look at obviously. If I I'm know, even talking Netflix. Like if oh, even for Netflix, even okay. for Netflix. Like if I mean, if I'm not paying anything other than my monthly subscription, I'm sitting there and pay. I have nothing to do. But this movie's two and a half hours long, and I'm not sure. I'm not fucking. I'm you not. Don't. I'm not clicking play. You don't look up IMDb to see the rating. Nope. I just, on tomatoes. Nah, I, I just pass it up. I just pass it up until 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 only, someone else makes me watch it. I only watch stuff that I know I'm gonna enjoy. I have to. I I haven't seen a movie. I haven't gone to a movie and seen a movie I didn't like in probably ten years. That's what I always say about video games. Like you get to the point with no, certain hobbies think. where like you only you just know that you're only going to see or buy or read or listen to things that you enjoy. I do not want to see a movie. I'm not a guy who wants to go see a movie or play a game and experience something awful and horrible. I do not have that spare time to do that. I just yeah. don't. I know people who go to the movie theater every week on Sunday, and it's like, no. I mean, that's cool that that's what you do, but no, I'm not I'm not going to pretend that I want to see something that's in theaters uh, every Sunday. Only in theaters? Yeah. And then the last question, we'll leave it for next time. That special question. It's got a hash bar over it. It's All not right. really. It's not really the last question. It's it's a placeholder. For, it's a good question. It's a future question. We'll, We've got two hours. That's we're, good, under, we're like we're like an hour fifty five. We're doing well. So yeah, we're gonna, we'll use it next time. We're gonna end it here. So this has been a fun CU podcast. It's been a productive CU podcast. We can cover politics a little bit. Why, why are you giving me that look of? Just uh, just just the term "productive podcast" sounded strange to me. Strange to me. You don't believe in the podcast. I believe in the podcast. Pro- I don't know what "productive podcast" is we supposed to discussed mean. <laughs> at length various topics of the day. Yes, we we informed, we enlightened, we entertained. Don't we do I this say? every podcast? I don't know if we enlighten or entertain every podcast. I'm having fun. Yeah, I am. You know, I, I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm enjoying. 
Um, we have a Patreon if you'd like to support us. Ian's supposed to be writing for it. I don't know if he is. And I'm just going to ask him now. Are you writing for the Patreon? I have not. I hate you, Ian. It's patreon.com slash pixelsickle. At some point, I can only tell so many stories about the fucking store. So uh, you guys are just going to have to get used to me writing about what I'm doing on my own time at home. Write about candy. People don't care. They want to hear you talk. Yeah, I'll just write about bullshit. Besides that, though, you, you can see the full video of the podcast there. If you so desire, exclusive clips, early clips of the podcast. Otherwise, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and of we course... We have our t-shirt that's going on. We have the t-shirt going on. I mentioned before, teespring.com slash podcast. That's until about, about the 20th of February. If you uh, if you wear it and you ask me to sign it, I'll be sure to sign right over your nipple so that you get titillated. Great. Lawsuit's waiting to happen. Um, and then also, my DVD's in the works, and after that, I have, believe it or not, I have three NES Punk Idea episodes like lined up in my head. I believe you. And I have a costume for one, that's all I'm going to say. Good. Uh, lined up, and then two other decent ideas. Getting back in the swing of things, and maybe I'll see you at a convention coming up later this year. So, I am hungry for my workouts that are going hardcore, using the punch bag every day. Ian is, has to take a piss like he always does. I don't have to take a piss. I'm shocked. Don't, don't lie. I'm shocked. I do not have to. I do not have to pee right now. Okay then. So, because probably you pissed your pants already. I did. For Ian it's warm and moist over here. For Pat Country, I'm Ian Ferguson. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Love you. <laughs>